Galdi, number one plates are earned, not given, okay? It's the unofficial, unexpected, and unfiltered Canadian motocross race review featuring Ryan the Newf Lockhart and Ryan Gold with your host, Ken Ken. Woo! the January blues and now it is the February frustrations, February fun times, February what the fuck is going on? It is time for another Canadian Motocross Unfiltered Podcast brought to you by Racetech, Racetech.com. Have you ever heard of Trevor Collip or Lucas Marcelisi? Both Racetech athletes getting into the main event in Detroit, the freezing cold outside, the ruddy track inside. Racetech brings them into the main event, 11-12 scores. Congrats to those guys. And the only reason is, is Racetech. They don't know how to ride otherwise. Unless Racetech was on their bike, they would have not been in that main event. I could guarantee it. That's how we work over here. Racetech.com, support those guys. And if you want a good laugh, find their main man, Checkers, on Twitter. I don't even know how he has a job or how he has a time with his family. He's one of the best Twitter followers ever. Checkers448, give that one a follow. Such a good time. But it is time for us to check in. I'm your host, Ryan Gold, with my boys Ken Catton and Ryan Lockhart on the line. And we kind of talked offline before we get into this, boys. I'm in the best shape of anybody right now, which is <laughs> awful to say because I feel like I'm in normal shape. But both my boys on the phone here, Ken, I'll start with you. You're a little beat up. Yeah, I uh, actually was just telling you guys I had to uh, officially unsign up for uh, troll training because I just wasn't in good enough shape. Like I mentioned earlier, A, I wasn't in good enough shape to begin with. And then I just had a couple injuries come up and I wasn't doing it. And it's, uh, I think it's worth it if if uh, you can make use of it. But um, I'm just going to get my shoulder and my knee figured out here and then hop back into it in the springtime and start getting ready for Southwick, I guess. Uh, and Newf, uh, you were on the men big time last show. You got yourself sort of situated a little bit, maybe a couple of PBRs in there to loosen up. We get you out riding this weekend, and now you're sore as shit again uh, as we prep for the Rimby, uh, Rimby redo. The Rimby redo, yeah. Well, that was the whole reason of riding this past weekend. I needed to get a couple days in on the bike. And, I mean, it went fine. I mean, my ribs are still really sore in my shoulder, but uh, it's just the whole, literally from my, like I've never had this type of soreness before. Like my elbows, <laughs> my elbows, my feet, my everything is really achy and sore. But I did ride two days in a row, which holy, I had a hard time unloading the bike last night. Like I was getting messed in. Like I used to be able to just like hop off the tailgate when I was like going down the ramp. I had to get messed in to grab me a stand to step on to get down, and yeah, it's just I don't know, man. I don't know what Epsom salts aren't working anymore. I guess I needed to start trying those ice baths. Uh, oh, yeah. Get out of the ice bath. That's what we need. A nice CMX video. CMXU video of you getting in an ice bath. <laughs> Get Randy to video for us. Uh, okay. So everybody's sore except me. But I'll be sore at the end of this podcast. For some reason, sitting in this chair for a while always gets me sore. Um, before we get into uh, quite a few talking points, um, it is always usually quiet time of year, but there's a lot going on. And then uh, I sat down and did a great interview with Sean Moffenbeier, the Race Tech retired check-in, I called it. Um, I guess actually he kind of joins the sort of ambiance that's going on with us boys. We're all kind of like acting like we should be retired, sore, aching. Yeah. Maybe we should be eating the early bird specials in bed by six o'clock. 
um, you know, living on law and order, watching law and order, <laughs> whatever old people do. Uh, but I want to give a shout out, Renegade Fuel and Hall Race Fuel. Um, I had a sit down last week with Blake Hall. Uh, Renegade Fuel, races that win, pour it in. And Hall Race Fuel, passionate about racing with the roots to prove it. Um, roots to prove it. A big shout out to Blake. Had a great lunch with him last week, man. Um, I got a lot of respect for the way that he goes about his business, uh, his life goals and, and everything. He's part of our uh, Canadian armed forces I actually went and ate lunch at the mess hall uh right on base which is just not far from me here so that was pretty cool hanging cool. out with um uh, a bunch of the uh people that kind of help uh, keep our country floating when they go to war and do these crazy things that we never see um so anyway big shout out to those welcome back to the show renegade fuel and uh hall race you big uh thanks again um i touched base on the moff interview we'll get into that one a little bit later it's a great interview um a little bit of tidbit of rumor um McNabb sounds like he might be uh, hurt guys. Uh, so the Daytona thing uh, might be up in the air. Um, I heard a broken wrist at the moment. I got a couple confirmations, but um, nothing totally concrete. I did talk to his dad. Um, and got some He said, yeah, the, a little bit injured. We're getting some, um, we're going to go see some doctors and he'll go see Jim Fredrickson as we call him the voodoo doctor for, for riders. So he'll hopefully be uh, get fixed up faster than later. But Daytona now in question, Noof, um, a little bit. Yeah, bummer for sure. I mean, obviously, we had kind of thought that he didn't plan on racing A2 Futures, but, I mean, who knows? I don't know if this happened before or after or whatnot, but it's been pretty quiet on the social media side of things and whatnot of him uh, him riding and stuff. So, bummer for sure. But, hey, uh, that's part of the game, especially when you're trying to learn a new discipline like Supercross. Um, it's freaking dangerous out there. and obviously. If anything, he's behind the eight ball as far as supercross learning goes. Yeah. Um, so he's probably trying to squeeze as much in as you can. And we all know in this sport, the the more you ride, the greater the chances of injury go up. So um probably nothing major by the sounds of it, Galdi, with what you yeah. and what we've heard. But uh hopefully he can make it to Daytona. But once again, it's like one of those things, it's like Hi, he comes to Daytona, he's not 100%, maybe he hasn't been riding a lot, and the results might suffer, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, there's so much freaking luck in this game, right, with injuries and staying healthy and, and timing and everything like that. So uh, anyways, regardless, wishing him all the best. And, I mean, there's no question we all want to see him succeed, right? Yeah. Uh, Ken, I'll throw this one to you. So I was talking to Kevin at MX101. They have not solidified that top spot uh, for that 450 fill-in for Moffenbeier. Um, names I got thrown at because um, Kevin uh, Tyler, manager of MX101 FXR, went to A2. Um, I don't think that's where he was going to dig for riders because, you know, you're watching Supercross compared to Canadian Outdoors. But mm -hmm. conversations yeah. are leading towards a Cody Shock or Mitchell Harrison level of racer. Um, I'll throw it to you. You're kind of the fan. What do you think of something like that? If it works out, it's just kind of a conversation right now. Yeah, that's... I think you could not really go wrong with either one of those guys. I think Cody Shock probably has the better results. What was it? Two years ago, he was up in around the top 10 and inside the top 10 quite a bit. Uh, he's a really good rider. But then you have Harrison, who's spent some time up in Canada. He knows what it's all about. I think that would be a, a really slick fit in at that team. And that team seems like everybody that rides for him gets along. Everything usually seems to go pretty smoothly there. So, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think that's two two good options. And uh It'd be cool to see either of them up there on, on that team. 
Um, I did also ask Kevin, I'm like, so does this mean maybe PRMX doesn't come? I should have texted Julian um, uh, uh, from PRMX there, and I didn't uh, do it there yesterday when I, I was thinking about it. So hopefully PRMX still comes, and maybe then Harrison stays there, so we'll see. But yeah. uh, we'll dig into that over the next couple weeks before the next show on the PRMX side of things. Uh, the Priority MX team, something that we haven't really talked about um, as far as the team goes, right, Newf? Because we lost the Cobra Quids, we lost the the TLD Gas Gas. Um, what what was going to happen with uh, riders like Elmore, who we'll get to in a second here, and and your your gainers and and Creighton Dillons or TJ Scott and, and Tyler Yates, lots of unknowns. Um, this Priority MX team, they're big supporters of my here AMO uh, Priority Mechanical is the business, but. Uh, Parker Eels, Seth Hughes, Hayden Jameson, Wyatt Kerr are the pro riders. I'm pretty sure they're doing the whole series with all of those guys. I actually have a meeting tomorrow. I'm going down to see uh, Peter, the owner of Priority. Um, and then they've got three amateurs as well coming through the ranks. Um, just kind of this Peter, uh, Peter Noop, Canoop actually is the name. Owner, dude, loves the sport. Liam O'Farrell is the racer that was uh, his main guy a few years ago. Um, Liam actually works now for Priority Mechanical. Wyatt Kerr uh, uh, became a uh, apprentice uh, with Priority Mechanical. I don't know if Hughes and Jameson are as well, but um, anyway, there's just a really good sort of roll over there. It's not just the racing guys are working for the company, all the stuff. And then of course, picking up the Parker reels. I just, it's a nice little sort of uh, um, good home life feeling right now with that party MX team. I know you don't know a ton about it, but just those names and, and Peter, what they do in the sport. It's it, he's very helpful with team Canada as well. Um, just kind of cool. Yeah. I like it. I mean, we need more people like him in this sport, right? I mean, there's, four spots on a team that you know those guys wouldn't have anything really without uh without priority right so um i love it i mean i got to know peter a little bit last year kind of parked beside him a couple times and stuff like that um i like everything to do with it yeah yeah i like that and again we lost some teams there's a team coming in not coming in they were there last year but only did the east uh wyatt obviously went at west just a one-rider team but i believe there's going to be a little more effort to do the whole series so they'll join the likes of ktm factory uh go for dunes mx 101 walton kawasaki man luck with zach you from zeff so um late sort of this isn't a late entry these guys have been kind of talked about for a while but cool like it and uh congrats to those guys we'll definitely be giving them some more love and and reaching into uh the storylines as that goes on um kind of a cool announcement off the wall Moose, do you know more about the elmore hosting and already loading a trailer heading somewhere with yamahas i don't know anything about it i mean we were kind of wondering what he was going to do and i mean um i i had a feeling it was going to be a dealership related type of ride obviously um which is just crazy to me i was actually when i was going through your show notes there this morning i went to go back and watch his instagram video of him announcing on yamaha and he his posts like in it like finished fifth overall in the championship back to privateer roots or something along those lines i feel like he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder which yeah hey, fuck, <laughs> rightfully so right yeah, and, and yeah. in the grand scheme of things think about a golly back in our day like i mean you finished fifth in this national number five before and yeah i mean you always had support and this and that like he probably feels a little bit left out um but then again, where is he going to go? There's no no spots. Well, that's the, that was, I was just going to throw it your way. Is there someone that has the ride currently that maybe he should have got it over? I don't think there is. No, I mean, right on any of the teams. You no, know, you could list it out pretty easy, right? I mean, GDRs got pretty stacked, right? <laughs> right? KTM with uh, with uh, Pettis, Natsuki, right? So there's two. 
two but he's not going to get that spot over those guys the mx101 would have been the other one but obviously that slot is is kind of tiered towards a, a, a constant podium guy he's only got the one so there could be an argument there i feel or a bit of a chip maybe on that one i guess in a way yeah i mean unfortunately like and this is no no jab at, at daniel because i mean he considering where he's come from i mean i remember watching him at local races and stuff and i mean he's come a long freaking way and he works hard and and he's done really well probably better than i ever expected him to do in you know in the mx1 class but he's not i don't know if he'll get to the point to where he can lead motos or uh be a consistent podium guy like you said i mean he did get that podium last year at at uh sandily which was awesome and well deserved and everything yeah. like that but the cards really need to fall his way. He's a he's a start fifth guy and finish fifth, or or sorry, start third and finish fifth, or start fifteenth and finish fifth, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's just kind of where he falls in. And I mean, if you're an MX one hundred one guy, you know, or that's the only spot available, you want to try to find somebody that can potentially be on the podium every weekend. And I just don't know if Daniel's there um, for the most part, but. Then again, back privateer in a truck and trailer. I mean, God bless his heart with his dedication and passion because it would be easy for him to just say, screw it, I'm over it, right? So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he's getting support from a local dealer up in Terrace. And if anybody that's listening to this doesn't know where Terrace is, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. It's far from here. It's like, I don't know, 18, 19 hour drive from Vancouver to get up there. So Dude, it's uh, like two hours south of Alaska. Yeah, it's far. It's right, <laughs> on the, right on the west coast of the ocean there. So anyways, I don't know where he's loaded up and going. I mean, his normal thing is he, he's been working since the end of the Triple Crown, and he saves up his money by doing logging stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's heading to Rimby to try to get that number one plate from me. He's going to stop. <laughs> pull into Rimby on the way down. It would be on the way to wherever he's going south. So, 100% uh, it would be, actually. It would make um, sense to go there and try to pick up a you know, thousand bucks or something for gas money yeah, along the way. So, so that would, um, we'll see. Uh, maybe yeah, I'll text him and remind him, say, hey, there's a race this weekend. I'll text him just to yeah. let him know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, we don't tell people where the money races are. We don't know. Nobody knows where Rimby is other than Ryan Lockhart. It's a yeah, secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one on my list, I'll throw to you, Ken. I know you're not a huge social guy, but have you been watching Josiah Notsky's social media? Um, he's busy. He's a busy man right now. Training, riding, and he, he's he is on the very serious train of feel. Yeah, it sounds like he's, he's staying busy, and I think that's good. I think that's uh, better than... I think the last couple of years he's ridden supercross, right? So I don't know how much that would really work as preparation to come ride the outdoors here. I mean, who knows what he considers to be his main job, whether it's there in New Zealand or, or here, but I, I guess a little bit of both, but I think that's good. And he's going to probably come in pretty prepared and, and looking pretty fast. Um, Noof, what do you think? Where do you, where do you see Natsuki? Yeah. I mean, I think Josiah is doing, I, it feels like to me that he's doing more, right now than he has in the past um and maybe that or are we just paying attention we're probably just maybe paying attention more but i mean he's racing i i believe it's the new zealand championship but i I think it's like a national series that he's doing but um he looks good on the bike and i mean he's putting in the work and i mean right now compared to everybody else he's doing more than everybody else right now that that's do it that's doing our series right so yeah um 
Yeah, I, I like it. I, I, I've always been a believer, and I know Galdi is the same way. Racing is the best practice, yeah, um, the best training, and getting gate drops in. And um, yeah, I like what I see from him. Um, do you feel like if you're maybe three years ago, when you know they're a little bit well, maybe not three years ago. Let's call it five years ago before the COVID thing. Teams are like, who's that guy that beat him in New Zealand? Because he got second at round one. Oh. He got second on the weekend at round one. Somebody beat him. I tried to look it up. I couldn't figure out who it was. Mason um, obviously. Yeah, Mason Phillips and uh, Ben Townley. It was actually Ben Townley made ben it come Townley, back. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, I like it. I, I agree. Racing is no no doubt in my mind the best way to uh, to stay afloat. Um, uh, the next one here is the one that I was we're going to bring we'll save later for the race tech hot or not um, that I have on my notepad. I'll rate that uh, later on. Um, something coming up. Neither one of you guys is going to be able to make it, but. I've been in conversation with Alec, Cal Thompson, and Justin Thompson, the Triple Crown guys. They're doing something, I don't know if it's big or something new or what it's going to be like, but at the Toronto Bike Show. So the manufactured bike shows have been going across the country. Uh, they've already had Calgary. Uh, they did Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's one this weekend, but then the next next weekend on, the, I think it's the 15th, 16th, is the Toronto Bike Show. New, if you were at it last year, I was out there helping out doing some stuff with matrix and the strider program. But anyway, this year they're setting up like a booth. They would love to have us all there. They wanted, they're like reached out to say, Hey, we'd like to, you guys come to a, a live podcast. They're going to do a podcast with, with was Kyle and Alec and thing. And so I'm really unsure what it is, but I have this sense. And I think we kind of talked about it a little bit on the last show. I feel, and this is weird me saying it because I never feel this way about those guys. But there seems to be a little bit more effort coming out of the Triple Crown um, uh, side of things right now for the series, trying to do some things, carry eyeballs. There's certain people that I know within the industry are like, yeah, whatever, who gives a shit? We'll see if they pull it off kind of thing. But then there are some like, oh, yeah, they've actually reached out. And like they reached out to me. They said, hey, what are you doing? Are you coming down to the show? We'd like to do this. Um, So, I mean – all signs pointing a little bit up. Noof, is that where it's kind of going, or, or is it just uh, is it just uh, hearsay at the moment? I mean, I hope so. I, I, I you would know you're in contact more with those guys than you kind of get your finger on the pulse a little bit more on that. But I hope so. I mean, why wouldn't they go to the the motorcycle show and and set up a little booth and 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 provide people with the information, right? I mean, that's what it. I think back in the day, that's how it used to be, right? Like whether it be amateur racing or pro racing, there's there's thousands and thousands of people that walk through those shows that are always looking for brochures and information and, and stuff. So why not try to promote, uh, motocross? Uh, it's a, it's a great tool to, to, to show off, right. And, and let people know and everything like that. So, I mean, I hope so. Um, yeah, I'll be at it. I'm going, I got some meetings with, uh, Yamaha and KTM and a few other people other that are joining in on the podcast side of things or AMO side of things. So I'll be down there doing a few little pop-ins and whatnot. So I'm interested to see what they come up with. Um, and that actually kind of leads to this next thing that I caught. So last show we, I, I, I was talking a little bit and caught some rumors that maybe the indoor stuff would go away. We even put out a cool little reel of our thoughts and whatnot. And we, we all kind of think, ah, it should be squashed. Well, that now might have come back around two weeks later uh, the WSX guys are still banging down that Vancouver door. Um, and with that, the Triple Crown crew looks to be the team getting hired to help them. I don't know if most people do the know, but right now the Triple Crown crew is a huge part of the AMA Arena Cross Series on the TV side of things, as well as um, 
scoring and all they've basically been hired by Robbie McQuarrie, the runner of the AMA arena cross to kind of come down and just do some Kyle's been doing some TV and some interviews and, and Alex been down there helping out man and cameras and, and Isaiah. So there's a bit of a link there. So they know how to do things like that. Remember they went to Abu Dhabi last year, um, which was a bit of huge shit show as far as their side (laughs) of things, just because the equipment and we, we heard the stories about that, but anyway, they've obviously left a good impression. I also feel that, you know, our group probably works for a, a lot more fair of a price. Uh, the Canadian dollar is a little bit different. Maybe our pricing is a little bit better for the WSX type thing. So anyway, the Vancouver door, Ken, as a fan, it, it might be open again. Um, again, just speculation and rumor at the moment. But does that excite you? Or you're like, well, uh, almost like the bike show thing. I guess I got to wait till it happens and see what happens. Yeah, I think after last year, you kind of just got to wait and see. But if it is a go... Uh, that'd be something I'd be super interested in going to go watch in person. Obviously, it's well, close Ken, enough and it's easy the, to get the there. V-dub. No, V Dub died <laughs> last week. It died. Oh, yeah. Right. Transmission went Oh, pop. rest in yeah. peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's no 13, 14 hour drive to said Pulp MX live show or, or ride day this year. Well, I'm going to see if I can uh, track down a new one, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Oh, V dub for life, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, some interesting things coming out. There are a couple of bunch of quick notes for people that are tuning in. We really appreciate everybody joining us here on the racetech.com Canadian motocross unfiltered podcast, Ryan Gold, Ken Catton and Ryan Lockhart. Uh, Noof, let's get into what's coming up here. Um, obviously not as confident as maybe a few weeks ago or even going into it last year, but the uh, the cool race that's coming up in Rimby that you're a big part of uh, is coming up this weekend and the next weekend, so two back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, give me your thoughts. I know we talked a little bit of the registration. Sounds like the numbers are good. And uh, how about weather? Have you looked at that? Just give me uh, give me the, the sums up here. I remember last year we called it Rim Jobs and Rimby with Noof. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think the pod was called Wax or Wax Since the Burnout or something like that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what <laughs> that was. was. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wax Since the Burnout. Sure, if there'll be any burnouts this year. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, once again, like, Galden, you and I talked earlier in the week. I just was kind of bouncing some things off you and, and this and that because we love bench racing and talking about how to improve things and whatnot. But over 300 entries already signed up. I think sign up closes this week. So 300 plus entries, uh, massive, massive support on the sponsorship side. I feel like every, I don't know if you follow them on Instagram, but um, <clears throat> it's like every day there's two or three new sponsor posts like it's just like it's so crazy because it's it's literally a super small town that everybody gets behind this thing and like people are excited right like the town the community uh hotels are sold out um people are people are excited so track build goes this week once again we are getting super lucky with the weather it's like it's gonna be three degrees four degrees so obviously that helps with the ventilation of the building and and being able to have the doors open and and whatnot not being freezing cold so three or four degrees um so they're going to get lucky on that which obviously helps on the spectator side of things because it is it could be cold in there um sounds like there's some more pro guys going uh, blake davies has signed up um uh nick collins sounds like he's going um i'm sure there'll be a couple more people uh that show up as well but all things look good i mean there's not a lot of racing going on right now and uh, i think it works out for these guys pretty good because people in bc obviously we've been riding um riding out here so there's a whole big trailer load of people uh going out from from bc and a bunch of us flying in and whatnot so back-to-back weekends uh it should be 
yeah, it should be good. Yeah, who gets the lucky drive through the Coquihalla while you're flying over and having nice red wine on a plane? Yeah, that will be Gary. Uh, <laughs> Gary Gibney this year is uh, taking the reins of driving. Last year it was a different guy. So, um, yeah, there's no way I'm driving out there this time of year. But. You know what? I love that, though, what you guys do, man. You got a great little core group and no bullshit. Somebody loads up one trailer with seven, yeah. eight, ten bikes. I, I like Ontario folks. Check your ego at the door, get a trailer together, head out to Calgary for round number one of the Triple Crown Series. Yeah. Like, I feel some of this stuff is hard to do for that for some folks. And I'm just like, figure it out, man. You can find a way to go racing. The BC crew here, that's awesome. I, I, I really give a tip to the cap to stuff like that. I love that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Gary's taking 12 bikes. Wow. Uh, 12 bikes in his truck and trailer, and he's he's driving, and obviously we'll all chip in and – and it will help him out, right? It's just yeah. Put his cost down, and like, uh, me and the Davies are sharing a rental car to cut the costs on that. Like, there's ways to go racing, right? Like, um, there's ways to do it. So people are bunking up together and sharing rental cars and um, just freaking making it work, right? Like, I mean, it's an expensive sport, and it's it's a and it's an expensive world we're living in right now. But there is ways to do this. Um, but you just need to be buddies with people, right? You will, everybody will find a way. That's the, uh, that's the way humanity works. Um, well, we wish you luck, uh, going into that. We'll talk about it towards the end of the show as well, but I wish you luck on that one and good well, luck good to the time. It's crew good and, timing because we're doing a pod today and then we'll do another one in two weeks, which will be, uh, at the end of it all, at the yeah. end of the series. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully I'm take some there. notes. Okay. New write some good stuff down here and you know what I mean? And don't forget, it's not just all about you. Okay. Well, I'm a busy guy. I got, uh, I got, uh, two, four, six, eight schools uh that are sold out uh my kid will be racing two classes and i will be trying to defend that number one plate so i will be a busy guy uh is your kid in the schools no oh no oh no he is not in schools they sold out too quick before i could get him in (laughs) Uh, or are you taking my advice like how we did our schools Uh, we don't pay so they don't get to go in (laughs) <laughs> well, if I had room, I would let. If you have you know, room, yes, hundred yes, percent. When they're near full or close, you know what I mean. If they're full or close to being full, that's not fair. So I get it. Um, there you go. But uh, and he doesn't fucking listen to me anyway. So oh, I know it's so frustrating. <laughs> so it's a, literally a waste of fuel. Um, yeah. Putting him in there. My kid literally thinks that these some of these thirty B guys are faster, and I can never beat them, and it just infuriates me. And, and of course, some of them eat it up. I, my buddy Darcy Quinlan, eats it up. He's like, "Yeah, your kid, I'm his fan. I signed his shirt the other day." And I'm like, "You brick." <laughs> Good times. Um, okay, it's time, boys. Halftime there. Racetech.com. Big supports. Thank you very much to Checkers and the gang, and of course, Renegade Fuel and Blake Hall at Hall Race Fuel for supporting the show. We're still in negotiations with a few other folks as well. We'll get in touch with them, but. Um, I got to sit down last week and, and it's always kind of weird who to chat with these sort of sit down interviews. Um, I've, I've had one lined up with Sean Moffenbauer for a while. This one finally came to fruition and it could have been a better time. Um, Ken, I know you listened to it. It is awesome. His openness, his humbleness, uh, some of the stories in there, uh, super cool. It's almost an hour longer, just about an hour guys. So it's a little over. Uh, enjoy yeah. it. What's a little over, a little over an hour. Yeah. Yeah, a little over an hour. Let's send it to that right now. Um, catching up with retired Sean Moffabar, MX101 FXR uh, legend. All right, out there in the podcast land, we're back here with a little race tech 
Rider check-in. Actually, this one might be a little bit different of a name. I'll name it here in a minute here, but this is going to be a good one. Going to sit down with a gentleman that's got a great resume uh, and stepping back away from the sport here. Um, going to be fun to chop. But before we get in that, Racetech, Racetech.com. Uh, those guys are huge supporters of us here at Canadian Motocross Unfiltered, and uh, we appreciate the hell out of that. Um, a great follow on their social. They support kids, pros, uh, vet guys. Like, literally, you take your stuff there. They'll set it up for you. They'll give you the guidance to just make you feel good on the bike. And who doesn't like to feel good on a bike? Because as most pros would say, feel good, look good, go good. Uh, is how they talk about. At least that's what I say nowadays in the vet classes. But uh, Racetech, Racetech.com. Big shout out to those guys. Thanks once again. Um, and this is, like I said, the Racetech rider check-in. But maybe it's called the Racetech retirement check-in. Because the man I got on the line just decided at the end of 2023 to call it quits in his pro racing career. Uh, none other than the MX-101 FXR Yamaha guy. Probably a hero to many, and one of the best guys uh, that has grown in the sport for sure over the last oh, 15 years. So, Sean Moffenbier, Sean, first off, thanks for your time. And uh, how do you like that? Uh, how do you like that that opening? Was that good? You like that? That was a hell of an intro. You what, like that? What an honor. Yeah, I'm honored. A hero to many. A hero to many. That's. Uh, I don't know if I would say that. Well, I mean, I didn't I'll say. I didn't see very many. What many can mean two people or a hundred people. You know what I mean? So it's that. It's, yeah. it's open. That's, that's true. That's true. I'll take it. I'll um, take it. Retired life. So you know, when most people say that in like regular working world, that means that now they eat dinners at like four o'clock, the early bird special. <laughs> They're at the shuffleboard court. They're spending six months in some sort of hot climate and then coming back to their cottage. Uh, what's it been like since, uh, I guess, basically the Transcan was the last uh, major event that you rode? And, and uh, I I'm sure it's been kind of shitty, but also very welcoming in a sense. Just I don't know, tell me your thoughts. Yeah, it's funny. I, I hate that word, like, just retired, because it's like, come on, I'm, I'm 31 years no, exactly. old, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a weird thing in our sport that we say that, but – and, and – to be honest, like I, I never really said it. It was a bunch of other people that kind of put the word in there, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I am retiring per se. But yeah, um, it's much different than I thought um, from from a couple different perspectives. Like I actually had a chat with Colton in Calgary this year, and just kind of was like, hey man, like what's it like? And he told me he's like, you are not prepared, and and he's like, you're doing a good job of just focusing on what needs to be done right now. But he's like, you're going to get to the fall, and you're going to realize that you really haven't thought this out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of cool insight from him, and and you know, because he retired a couple years ago, and just just to kind of feel that myself, like you're, you. You have all these steps that you go through uh, during the year as a racer. Where it's like, yeah, it's the fall, so you take some time, let your body heal a little bit, and then December-ish, you start to think, okay, like you know, I I got to start thinking about uh, preparing and, and getting ready for the next season and contracts and the rest of it, and just, I mean, none of that was there. So it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy. Uh, you know, a couple more whiskeys at Christmas and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy a little bit more dessert. So yeah, honestly, it's been a huge, um, mind mindset shift and, um, parts of it are super enjoyable and parts of it are like, man, I need to actually think about a lot of this stuff and, and kind of see where I want to go in the future. So. Um, uh, speaking of like downtime, do you enjoy that? Like sitting going, okay, look at all this time I've got to think or just sitting around thinking of what your future is. Does that kind of frustrate you? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's hard. I, I enjoy a lot of things, and, and I love doing a lot of things. So I'm like, man, like, what what do I actually want to do for another 20 or 30 years? So, I mean, that's been a 
bit of a um, eye-opener and, and trying to think through all that. And, and honestly, what made it better is I just started asking people. I was like, hey, like, if you were 30 and you had to restart again, like, what would you do different? And so I, I've pretty much asked anybody, um, you know, that uh, is older than me, you know, what, what they would do in that situation. So it's been really cool to get a lot of different answers from different people. And, and I've kind of taken that into um, some of my decision making as well. So, so yeah, it's just, it's, um, I, I like the time. I like the time to be able to sink and, and be around family and just not really have that stress of racing in a sense. And that's a whole other thing. Like I didn't, I never really thought of myself as a very stressful person or, yeah. or kind of overthinking things, but I, I actually held a lot of uh, stress around racing and, and doing well. And, um, you know, I cared about it a lot. So, uh, to walk away from that and, um, you know, in the fall I came back and, um, they put up a sign at my local track. Dude, I saw that um, post that you made. That's yeah. amazing. You even te- <laughs> you know, teared up, eh? That's that's um, that's awesome, though, dude. That's oh um, my gosh, it yeah. was it was so much. It was it, and that was a whole thing. I mean, Walton was a lot for me, and just kind of stepping away from it, and and you know, it, it was emotional. A lot of it's emotional because I was super, you know, happy for the most part of, on how the year went, and I was like, you know what, I, I think that's a pretty awesome way to end it and um people can remember me at at some of my best rides and yeah so to come home and then you know have a sign up there and my parents got the mayor out there and the radio station <laughs> wow. and then I, oh yeah it was a whole thing and uh they're like hey do you want to do a speech and i'm like honestly guys like i I can't, I can't put this into words. And yeah, it's been a very interesting thing for me to even try to explain to people how much it's meant to me. And, um, cause you're, when you're in the thick of it, man, you think that everybody isn't watching or they don't care or, yeah. you know, you're like, Hey, I'm just a third place guy or a second place guy, you know, like I won races. Yeah. But it's like, well, I'm, I, you know, I, you don't want to feel like you're old, but like in a sense this year, there was times where I was like, man, I feel kind of old, you know, and you just think that nobody's really watching. And then to have so many people care and, and just say their goodbyes was pretty special for me. Some old guy that will listen to this will be like, he's just a prick right now, 31 years old, telling me that he's old. I can't even yeah, get out of exactly. bed in the morning. I got to piss five times in the middle of the night and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, you got to hear me out on this. So I'd be in the rig this year and, and, you know, Sebastian's in there and, and Austin and stuff. And I bring stuff up to them about racers Oh yeah, uh, that I watched as a kid. And they're like, who is that? I'm like, you don't remember that guy from like 2002? And they're like, no, I wasn't even born. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, uh, right. Like, yeah. crazy. You know, yeah. so you're just like, man, these guys have so much to experience and learn and, and enjoy in the process. So, yeah, for yeah, sure. It's, it's funny. Those, um, those are the times where you feel old. Yeah, yeah I guess. Well, 100%, especially if you're like, yeah, yeah. You, what do you mean? You don't know who Phil Lawrence came up in 2002 or Chuck Mesley or, uh, you know, names like that. And you're like, what? You don't know these? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I get that at my ammo races now. Like my kid, for instance, who just turned eight. He sees me ride and stuff like that, and I've we've showed you I've showed him YouTube videos from the '90s that we've had and stuff like that. <laughs> and then there's guys in like the 30B class that have kids 
their age, that race, and they're like, that guy would kick your ass, dad. He's way faster than you. You don't you don't even ride or race anymore. Did you even be a pro? And I'm like, I just want to smash you, you little bugger. Like, are you kidding me right now? Oh my God, exactly. you know? But it's, um, and then you get a giggle out of it afterwards because uh, you're getting made fun of by some little kids that don't know. But yeah, it's kind of neat to get that perspective on. And that's kind of cool. Like, it kind of brings me to something that it just kind of popped in my head. You coming from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, obviously one of the smallest areas across Canada, especially in the motocross community, you know, um, the, the, the man before you was Blair Morgan. Um, and then you've carried the torch, like to think of it, I don't know if you think of it that way, but like all other sports like baseball or hockey, all these sports we went to school and grew up on, everybody had those local heroes. I take my kids skating and there's pictures Mm -hmm. of hockey players that played in that rink that played in the NHL. Right, they don't play anymore, and they maybe never really were great or whatever. But they're like this local hero, like you are that kind of hero in our world, um, in the Saskatchewan area. And it's pretty cool to think Blair Morgan and you, um, you know, really kind of helped put it on the map as far as isn't. I mean, it's probably weird me talking about it, but like at this this thing where they put up the sign and stuff, dude, you're you're a freaking legend and you carried people's thoughts and hopes and dreams. Like I want to be Sean Moffenbeier. And, and that, like, that's, I guess that probably was what maybe kind of made it emotional that you didn't really think people thought of that, but it's, it's true. When you become a professional athlete at any type of sport, there's that local side of things that really draws attention. And, um, you know, in swift current, you got the sign up next thing, you know, maybe you'll be the mayor. Right? You'll be a, maybe that's there what you, you want go. to get into the politics, get into the politics, politics. kind of thing. <laughs> right. No, you're, you're right. It's, um, I think the best way to explain it is when you're in it, you're so focused just on race to race, you know, and you kind of try, you learn how to blur out the noise a little bit yeah. and just not really worry about people's opinions and, and thoughts and stuff. It's like, yeah, you respect them and, and you hear them, but you learn how to just get rid of it all or it, it, because there's just so much coming at you um and then when you actually kind of slow down and, and think about the people that give you props and and come say hello and phone calls and you're just like man it's kind of actually overwhelming how many people look up to me and um you know you take it for granted a little bit and yeah so even when they put the sign up we had a ride day that day you know and um, they had it three different groups and I would go out in all the different groups and just ride with some of the kids and stuff. And some of them were just like so happy and so thrilled. And I was like, that's, that's actually really cool, you know? And those are kind of some of the memories I remember of, of Blair. Like I remember Blair when I was on 85, he showed up to a provincial race in Moose Jaw and this was like in, in the spring and the guy didn't even like practice. He just like, he obviously slept in or something. He just went out there and won the race. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've <laughs> ever seen, you know? And then I grew up and ended up racing around a couple provincials and, um, just to be able to go up to him when I was younger and have conversations with him and stuff was, was really cool. And then, um, yeah, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and it was cool. Cause he actually showed up to that day as well. And just to sit back that night and have oh, some nice. conversations with him was, was like pretty amazing. Like even, you know, the, he said at one point, he's like, man, I'm sorry. I wasn't around more, uh, after my crash to kind of help you through your career and guide you. And I was like, man, that's uh, pretty crazy to hear him say that. You know what I mean? So wow. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, little things like that. 
that where it was like, man, that's that's really, really cool. Dude, that just warmed my heart a little bit here. I'm gonna have to take a, <laughs> I have to take a minute. Let me step back here for a second. Um, that's amazing, yeah. Sean. But, I mean, that, that's the sign of respect sometimes that uh, especially our sport, like we're such a small community in Canada for sure, um, that, cool. that kind of stuff happens. So that's very cool. Um, let's kind of get into a, a little bit of a, the career stuff. Um, dude, uh, an amazing career. I actually didn't – I did a bunch of research – after I texted yesterday, I did I did some internet digging and found some things there that I didn't even know if you know or anything like that. So I got some <laughs> questions for you here. Perfect. How many how many wins do you have? I Overall I don't wins. actually know that. That's a very good question. Wow, you don't actually know that. Nope. I was always just focused on the next one. <laughs> okay, so you have nine. Nine. Nine okay. MX wins, and then uh, four in the Arena Cross Supercross era. Uh, all okay. aboard the 250 class. Of course, you you weren't good enough in the 450 class, so we will. I was we'll, three minutes away this year. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> well, we can get into that too. Um, 24 times you placed uh, fourth or fifth throughout your career. 29 times you placed second or third. Um, wow. And I don't know if you knew that. I'm hoping you know this, but I had this is wild. That 17 championship that you won, you had six wins. Mm. That year, no podiums and no top fives. Really? Yes. Overalls. Overalls. Oh. You had the six wins and the other three rounds, um, <laughs> you finished outside the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, now that you say that, yeah, that makes sense because we had some bike issues at a few of them. Right, right. You had so, the, yeah. the, the bike break at uh, Prince George. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. there was the one, uh, I think, at Benoit's track, right? Didn't you have one at Benoit's track? Uh, I'm trying to think of which one. Because Benoit's track was the one um, where Osby had, he was going to take over the red plate, but then he got docked. No, I won that one. You won I got that one. Okay, you won that one. Um, it was at, um, out in, in Cook's. Um, oh, okay. Um, Pleasant Valley. Mitch, Mitch's place, yeah. Yeah, Pleasant Valley. Because I remember uh, we had some, like, water and some electrical, and, like, Kale was, like, running across the track trying to tell me to unplug things. And that's oh. when I went to <laughs> unplug every single connector on my bike to, try to make Gotta it get run. it going. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember your very first podium? Uh... 252 stroke 13 you got sometime? it the first podium was your first ever win no yeah really dude your first podium was that trans can race 2013 the final round because remember you broke your collarbone at round one yeah 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 and and that whole year you didn't get you get you showed up around with three rounds to go you went four five uh one four five really? one and i think you went three one on that day for the overall yeah i believe yeah, yeah. number 10 on yeah. the uh, Bondi breathing YZ two fifty two stroke, that bike was, that was badass. Bike. I was a, I was around a lot that year on that around that bike, and mm -hmm. oh my god, that bike that bike I love that bike when it was at Bondi's. It was yeah, that bike was sick. That bike I think was... Andre still has that bike. Oh that no cool way, bike. very cool. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's a cool. Question. Did you get to keep any of a bike like that? Have you did you keep any like memorabilia things and stuff from your career? No, I actually wish I did. I will tell that to the kids kind of coming up. I wish I had kept uh, my championship bike. So funny story, actually, because we came back from Destinations that year, and that was the year that the bikes got right, yeah. uh, pulled into, um, what you might call it, into detainment or whatever. And the kid, the guy that was washing them, like shoved like a water hose down the exhaust pipes and everything to clean them. Oh my so that God. bike was basically ruined. And like looking back on it, I should have offered like Kev, like, 
couple couple grand to keep that thing so if anybody out there actually has that bike i've been trying to find that bike to be honest yeah i wonder where uh, where it would have ended up yeah it's funny because kev actually kind of lost track of it in the whole process too because he it was left in a bit of a boneyard situation for a while and then they pieced it together just with some parts that were left over and ended up selling it but yeah that's one bike i really regret not uh keeping because i think it would have been pretty cool to to have that one just even if it was an empty motor and and just like oh uh, just with the graphics yeah Yeah. stuff like that uh, yeah i was kind of the same in my era i gave a lot of shit away whether it was jerseys or helmets i got one jersey from like my sort of late late to mid uh, late to the end of the 90s when i was kind of in my prime and and uh i look at you only got one left i got one out of i don't know 50 or 60 or whatever yeah i got i kept one and it's not even like one i wore it was one that got used as like a display for the guy that was making numbers on the back of jerseys back then no um, way yeah. that's crazy yeah so and uh like i had some cool helmets that were painted and i never kept it i gave everything away and all that kind of shit it's definitely definitely not the uh uh not smart on my part but it is what it is kind of thing but yeah you always would like to keep it that would have been neat just even yeah like you said have the frame with the plastic on it and you know especially yeah. now you're getting up doing all this thinking you have this your coffee and you're like that was a good year let's think about that year okay yeah you know and totally. and then figure out the uh, the rest of the day after that um, it's funny because I actually I was digging in Kev's. Uh, he's got this like little shed, and it's got a bunch of old stuff in it. And I actually found some graphics from that year, and I actually stole them from him. Oh, nice! <laughs> so I, I am planning on eventually finding one of those older models and and putting it together at some point. So it's uh, it's in the works, but we'll see. We'll see how long. Uh, so th- this is it. another one of the, I made this note. Um, yes. In that year, you had an amazing year. Six wins. Uh, obviously, uh, got the MX101 team the championship. Kevin Bonding, boom, boom, boom. You got offered a big deal. You got offered money. I, I, I don't actually know what the deal was. I just assumed it was a money deal. In my opinion, from the outside, I feel like that was a regretful decision on your part. I want to ask you, do you regret moving from that Yamaha team championship uh, and then going over to the Cowie side of things? Because obviously, later on, you, you made, a, made amends back with MX101. We're not amends, but you came back. Yeah, yes and no. Um, I think I would have regretted it either way, if that makes sense. Because it was big money to yep. to go to the other side, and and honestly, like even if you look at the Cowie year, yeah, the the outdoor side of things didn't go well. But I actually that bike was really good in a lot of different ways too. Um, the Yamaha obviously I gelled with, and and it was amazing outdoors and. So yeah, it's funny because everybody thinks I really regret that, but I look back on that decision. I don't think I would change that decision, honestly. Okay. And if anything, I really wish uh, the sponsors, a part of Kev's program, would have stepped up, even even gotten me close to what I was offered. Um, and, and that was kind of the part of the thing is I was pushing Kev to be like, man, like this is what I'm being offered, and like you you guys aren't even really close. And yeah. Um, so yeah i mean i don't actually regret it that much um and you know being able to come back and and maybe this is part of it is being able to come back when i was older and and race for kevin work with them again uh was pretty special for me because obviously i love that crew and and everything that they've done for me so i think a little bit that's probably why i don't regret it is because i got the opportunity to come back with them but yeah in the same time yeah i don't i don't know um I was given the chance uh, to make make good money. I I, I took advantage of it. Um, 
when I signed that Cowie deal, there was some, um, how do I put this right? Like obviously Stu is running the program and, and I thought I, uh, had some more choice on, on a few things. Let's put it that way. Like I thought I had, I thought I had choice on, on who I was going to work with. You know, uh, you're retired now. You can say whatever you want, right? You can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. And and it's it's funny because when I look back, I like, I really do like Bonnie was a part of that program and, and there was a lot of different weird things that kind of went on. Like, you know, for example, we were, we had to run the radiator braces. That was part of works connections deal with the team, but it wasn't allowing a lot of airflow through the rads. So it would make the thing run hot. And that's one of the reasons that that bike failed at Gopher that year. And I had a red plate at that time. So there was like weird things like that with that program that it was like, man, that sucks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it was not really anybody's fault. It was like, you know, we're just, you got a bunch of sponsors and, and you're trying to make everybody happy. And so, but yeah, but at the same time, um, I knew how powerful uh, our Yamaha bike was from the previous year. So uh, obviously Jess just jumped on what I went on and, yeah. and he had great success with it too. So, I mean, that was a bit of a, you know, a mind, mind uh, tricks and, and games going on there. Cause obviously I knew how good that bike was. So, um, but again, I, I never really regretted it. I, you know, I made good money and was able to do a lot of things with that too. And, and another part of my Cowie deal was, is I thought I made it very clear that it was like one year on 250 and then the, the second year was supposed to be 450. Yeah. And they kind of pulled that rug out from underneath me and that really pissed me off. So yeah. I was like, well, screw you guys. Um, I'm going to Yamaha's. What was the, was there a reason for that? Because obviously, like you said, you had a good year. You won the Supercross portion of the championship, some outdoor stuff. You did have the red plate. Like it wasn't a total wash. Was there a reason because of that? Because what they had the next year was Welton and Gurky, right? No, no, they had Gurky and Tyler. Remember that was when Tyler went to 250. Oh, that's right. Tyler went to 250s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Um, Yeah. So it was kind of weird. So they were like, we want you to race 250 again and, and we're going to go this direction. And that's when they went all PC stuff. And right. they were like, yeah, like we're going to make these changes and it should be a lot better. And for me, it wasn't even really about that at that point. I was like, guys, I'm, I'm not interested in riding the 250 anymore. Like, um, I feel like I've accomplished a lot in this class and I, like, I want to ride and race a 450. And like, honestly, I, like I wanted to race Colton before he retired. Like that was one of my oh, no kind of goals. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, that, that was, that was a part of it. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was kind of, I think at that point in time, they had already signed Gerke and I was finding out about that at the, towards the end of the year. So Gurky and I kind of did the switcheroo from team to team. Um, this leads to my next thing. One of the kind of cool stats, I don't know if it's a stat or anybody pays attention to this, but you're one of the only guys ever to leave a team and come back to the same team, and you did it twice, once with OTSF and once with MX101. I think that kind of tips the cap. Really? Yeah, I, I, I was literally wrapping my mind around it. Blair Morgan did it. He left Blackfoot and came back to Blackfoot, but that was just the once. Okay. Um, and I, I just I can't really think of any other guys that really did stuff like that. Because um, that, uh, that, most of the time, not everybody has such a long career either, like yourself, where the, the opportunities yeah. arise. But like that's a bit of a tip of the cat to, I don't know if it's just your humble humble roots of how you were raised, but 
you obviously, the work ethic was never a problem. You're a hell of a good guy. You can seem to fit in anywhere um, and you get results. I guess that, that resume just spoke for itself. But usually, especially in the Canadian side of things, there's like that window of like, you know, fuck that guy, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe it comes around. But it never seemed to ever go that way for you. The It was like every door that might have closed was always just, it still had a little wedge in it to allow you back yeah. in. Totally. Yeah. No, that, that's actually a really good way to put it because you can talk to any of the guys that I race for. Um, I had a lot of disagreements with them. Like Andre has phoned me and yelled at me before. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've gotten, uh, I got into a pretty heated conversation with JSR about KTMs, but I always did my very, very best to understand that, um, you know, it's not them personally. And sometimes it's just decisions companies make and, and it doesn't include you, you know, or, or they can't do certain things. And, um, I did my best not to slander those companies outside of the, you know, the private eye. Um, what's said behind closed doors, I think a lot of people had a lot of respect for me yeah. because I was willing to say a lot of things and be like, yeah, but I'm still willing to go over there and, and represent you guys as a company and, and I have no problems with that. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's something I learned very early on as a kid, actually. Um, like my dad had his business in town and, and when I was a teenager, I was a little shithead most of the time and <laughs> kind of had a bit of a bad name oh. um, throughout town and stuff. And, and my dad sat me down one time and he's like, look, what you're doing on your personal time is affecting me and my business, which in turn affects you and your racing. So, ah. um, so yeah, it was kind of a lesson I learned when I was younger, just to you know be very mindful of how you speak around people and, and what you project into uh, the environments that you're in. So, yeah, and, it, and it's not to say that I would lie about certain things, but if I had a problem or if I had issues, I would just go directly to people and and ask them like hey like i heard this like you know what what are your thoughts on it and almost everybody's been very honest and and great with me so and you know dealing with andre he's a very good businessman and he's taught me a lot and and dealing with the rock star guys and and all those guys they taught me a lot when i was younger that i you know, you kind of like, you're like, oh, you want me to do that? You know, you want me to post all these rock star videos of me drinking cans? Like, that shit annoyed me yeah, I beyond yeah, belief. Yeah. <laughs> but I I just saw such a smaller part of it. It was like, well, yeah. you know, like, why do I have to do this? Like, um, and, and Andre was good at kind of, you know, putting me in my place with that stuff. So, <laughs> Uh, once again, everybody, listen to Racetech.com. little rider retirement check-in here with Sean Malfenbeier. Make sure you're Racetech.com. Support those guys because they support us here at Canadian Motocross Unfiltered. Um, let's move into all the years. Uh, first year pro was 2007, correct? Yes, first pro race, 2007. 2007, yeah, yeah the double hole shot at Gopher Dunes, number 85. Who can forget? Um, <laughs> New for minds me every day. Yes, there you go. Um a long career. Not everybody gets a chance to be a professional racer uh, for that long. Um, what do you attribute, I guess, uh, the longevity? Because there were some years that didn't go great. Injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, there's probably times where you questioned, can I make it? You know, dude, you didn't get your 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 wings, in my opinion, till almost like that year you got onto that KTM, maybe just before that. Cause even I thought the, I thought the year in 2013 was going to be a hell of a year. Cause the 252 stroke, the bike and that year. And then obviously it bit you. I, I, 
was practice, right? I think it happened at Nanaimo, right? Was it practice or was it yeah. first moto? Yeah. yeah so, I, like, I thought that year, I was like, I remember just talking to people in behind. I'm like, Moffenbeier's going to be good. This 252 stroke, the four strokes were good, but they were, it's the two stroke was still, I think, the better bike in that in that era or that time frame. You know, not EFI, EFI wasn't out quite yet. Um, but, like, you've, the, the longevity, did it just come down to how much you love it? Um, you enjoyed the grind? Um all that kind of stuff. Like we're talking 15 years here. You had a 15 year uh, career where plus 10 of it, you were at the top of the sport being one of the best guys. Yeah. It's weird to think about actually. Oh, I'm sorry. But... I hope I don't make you emotional here. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Cause uh, when I, I went to Whistler this year for Yamaha, and they're yeah. like, well, how long did you race for us for? And, I think it was like 11 years out of my pro career and I'm like holy hell yeah you know and so there's like stats like that that I'm like yeah and, and to be truthfully honest I think what kind of happened was is I grew up in Saskatchewan we we didn't have like huge budgets to go chase Walton to go chase a lot of these events and I and I was fairly successful on a provincial level like I, I pretty much have my name on a, every single one of those trophies um, growing up so as a winner and and but we never really took it that seriously yeah like my my family always prioritized like going to the lake and you know my dad my mom and dad were very good at balancing a lot of that and keeping their own lives in check and not right. getting carried away with things and and so like it wasn't till I was maybe. 14 or 15 that I actually started taking it somewhat serious and being like, Oh, like maybe if I rode a little bit more, this would go a little bit better, you know? And, but then growing up in Swift current Saskatchewan, it's like riding on a concrete you know, trail <laughs> the whole time. There's not a single rut or there's yeah. no sand. So I didn't even know how to ride any of that. So I think for me, once I, I did that first pro race in 2007 and like I, I'll never forget it because it was Calgary. Uh, you still had the race to qualify, um, and I was like one of the last guys in, you know. And it just went terribly. <laughs> like I don't even know what the results are from that day. Like I think I was almost dead last both motos, but it was humbling. I was like, I have no idea how to ride ruts and stuff. So um, from that point forward, it was just like, okay, well, I don't know how to do this. So like, let's learn how to do that. You know? And I would, it was just such a slow, steady progression. And I always saw progression in my riding, even um, up until last year. Like I, I'm still growing and learning and, and even Dubok taught me things last year. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And I think I got, a lot of motivation from that where I never thought I was on a plateau and it was like, yeah, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And, and luckily I had great mentors throughout my whole career that kind of kept pushing me to, um, you know, be better in different areas, whether it be bike setup or fitness or, or just all these little areas. And I don't know, man, I just, you know, I see kids like Quinn and, and some of those guys and even Daniel Elmer. And I'm like, those guys love it they're yeah. not getting rich like the, they really remind me of myself uh when i was younger and so it's it's cool to see them because i'm like yeah like that's actually how i felt where it was just like you're constantly pushing and pushing and you know nobody's 
really believing in you, you know, even yourself, you should talk me a few times, Oh yeah. which I'm yeah. like, I'm happy about it in a certain degree. Cause it was like, I learned how to deal with a lot of rejection and it was like, look, I'm not doing it for you, Galdi. I'm, I'm doing it for me. And whether I get 15th and grenade myself in front of leaders, or if I get, you know, fifth, it's, it's still, as long as I'm making progression, I'm having fun with it. I love that. And attitude. Also, that oh, go ahead. Sorry. Finish your point. No, I was also going to say like, kind of when I turned pro, we were actually making decent money. Um, yeah. You know, so I didn't have a real job, but it was like, I'd go to all these provincial races, you'd make contingency. Um, and I just slowly saw a bit of a steady income and I was like, huh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. I can just do this and make money and, and go to high school and still make some money. So yeah. I think the growth of that with it was like, well, I don't need a real job. Like if I put lots more into this, like I can make money at this. So it was kind of a combination of all that stuff um, together that, that I think led to such a long career. Well, that was one of my last stats. So this actually leads in good again here. So you started in 2007, you said progression, you put the work in, you take your time and you never quit. And I think sometimes nowadays, um, I, I know you've done some, some teaching um, and all that kind of stuff. And it's almost like the moms and dads and even the kids, they see it, like whether it's on Instagram or now TV, Peacock, whatever you want, Supercross, it's so easy to get to see things where it wasn't easy back then um, <clears throat> that they think it should happen right away. Well, totally. ladies and gentlemen, Sean Moffabar started in 2007. His very first top five was not until 2011 at Wild Rose. Did you know that? I did not know that. Actually. I'm just a ball of knowledge here, aren't I? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for the internet. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, 2011 was your first ever top five. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So, like, in the 450 class too. That's uh, a whole other. Yes, it was. Story. Yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah, you kind of went backwards. Not yeah. backwards, yeah. but it, you went 07, 08, and then right 09, you went to 450. You're at a right in 08. Yeah, oh, oh, nine, I went nine. to 450 yeah. just because we couldn't afford the, it, yeah. the 250 stuff. And because back then, like a lot of this too, like kids don't understand that's that shit was blown up all the time. Like you had decompressor levers, yeah. pistons flying out, and it was everyone, you know, it didn't matter what team you were on, basically, or if it, you were just a privateer. But yeah, yeah so I kind of did that backwards, and I think that was also a bit of a fuel to some fire uh, within my career is once I went back to 250s, then it was like, oh, yeah, like I can I can win races here. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, like almost like a whole restart for me. I remember, I think it was right around 2011, you guys were like the Yamalube uh, guys, you and Janae <laughs> on the back of the rig driving down yeah. the road, and there's your, your big head on the back door of the rig. I, oh, yeah. I remember back then, I'm like, look at this. What the hell is this? It made me chuckle. But now looking back at it, I'm like, what? A, that was great marketing. Your dad was doing a great job. He was sleeping in the rig back then. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, you know, I would assume when you guys can sit down and have a whiskey over the holidays, you got to have a, a chuckle at stuff like that. And um, like to myself, when I think about that, you know, and now where I am at in motocross and, and talking to you like I am, I'm like, fuck, I remember that. I remember his dad. Me and Stolly coming into the thing, and there's your dad getting out of the rig with his bag of his shower bag and stuff, heading over to the to the river or whatever it was, or whatever you know. Yeah. Then Sean and Danae are coming out and, and banging off good motos and, and putting the Yamalube idea and that whole thing. It's uh, it's yeah. That I I I mean, obviously that's what you do when you get older. You think about the past and all the good times, and that's that's totally. probably makes you smile a little bit when you hear those things. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I tell parents this when I 
teach and stuff they're like well like what do you remember the most and well like one of the biggest things is being able to travel across the country with my dad a couple times it's like how many how many 18 year olds or 20 year olds do that with their with their parents you know and when you're in it you're like ah my dad is this that and the next thing you don't want to do it but then like when you actually look back at it you're like that's actually pretty cool that my dad was willing to do that spend that kind of money and travel all these places with me so uh i think it's it's like those moments where it's even i mean that was a bit of fuel for me too moving forward it's like yeah my dad my dad put a lot into this and um that was huge motivation for me and i think even guys like dylan right kind of feel that too or it's like yeah your parents put a shitload into this and yeah and it's easy to use that as fuel kind of throughout your career where it's like yeah i want to want to do this for my parents and make them proud and and uh, win some races for them too for all those years that we were just you know i don't, I don't want to say slumming it because we had a pretty cool setup but yeah. Uh, you know, you're just traveling across the country, living out of truck stops, and shit's breaking, and you're on the side of the road welding axles on, and like, there's just <laughs> so much stuff that people just in the last five years, like, lots of kids just see you getting on airplanes and and rental cars, and uh, they don't even understand the <laughs> I sell that. ten years. Yeah, like you know? at ammo events and like new parents. I mean, I sell that to them as an education. I go, this is. 100%. I go the, the the time you're going to spend with your mom and dad, whether you can win or your fifteenth or your thirtieth or or whatever, as long as your guys are spending this time together, it's going to create memories down the road that you're going to share with each other. It's going to keep your relationship tighter. Yes, sometimes it has its faults when, you know, the little Johnny or or Susie get really good and then there's that pressure that gets in the way and mom and dad want more. Like, we've seen that happen millions of times. But once mm-hmm. the dust settles, like, like literally what you're just saying to me is it's so cool. I, I'm going to throw this at you. Sean, I, I really think you'd, really, you'd make a really good dad the way you're talking and stuff like that. I know that I don't know where that is in your personal life right now. It's none of my business, but the way that you look at things and your sort of attitude, I just feel like this is what I try to do with my kids all the time. And man, even we were talking kind of before we get on how January is, it's just such a shitty month and there's just nothing going on in Ontario right now. The weather's up and down the toboggan Hills are crap. And then you can't skate and just trying to find things to do. And as a father, you're, you're, you're trying to find these niche things. And then I just kind of always sit down. I'm like, let's just do it together. Let's try to find a way to do it together. And, you know, even my fat ass and not Mr. Training guy, I got to get out. I got to play soccer in the snow or I got to go play <laughs> hockey here. And I, I'm like, yeah. I was an only child. And I'm like, man, my old man, he would just work his ass off and I got to do things by myself. But it's just kind of, I don't know. That's such a cool thing. I think sometimes people don't see that I, you know, you go buy a dirt bike, it's crazy expensive. You go to the races, it's expensive. It costs money, this and that. But when you get into it and allow it to sort of deliver what it can for the confidence of a racer, for the for the the relationship between mother, daughter, or mother, daughter, or son, father, everybody all in the family, like it's, 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 there's no price on that. Like Correct. it's so yeah. hard to explain it to people sometimes, but if you can stick through it and enjoy for what it can bring you, man, it just brings so many life lessons. And, uh, it's really cool when people grasp it and see it. And I just, like I said, when you said that to me, I'm like that, I, you did, you, you live like a perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful that my parents kind of kept a level head on it all and, and always kept pushing the moral side of, of sport than, than, you know, making the money or the success from it per se. And yeah, 
I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's like you said, it's an education that's very hard to explain to people. And I was lucky enough when I was going through high school, I had teachers recognize how much I was growing um, racing and they would let me leave months early as long as I wrote my finals. And they're like, you're going to learn so much more on the road. Oh, that's awesome. Going to Quebec and going to all these places than you ever will in my classroom. And I remember a teacher telling me that. And I was like, that's pretty cool, actually. And so I think I've had kind of mentors all the way across the board push that into me and and that's why i value it so much in a sense and yeah i don't know it's just like well what are you going to do with your time you yeah. can sit back and play xbox and and do all this stuff or, or you know it's it's funny to watch kids nowadays and just the different attitudes and even with the parents and stuff too it's just sometimes it's different times but i also see the the good ones out there and the, the role models kind of coming up as well it's pretty cool to see just all the different parents and kids that's um that's something else i want to ask like you're this particular year um you came to some local races you spent a lot of time at mx 101 with younger kids and seeing the new generations you've, you've been going to the races forever um how do you view the sport right now are we in a good place does it look like it's good and it's not you're not hearing it's good or just what are your thoughts as a guy that spent so much time got this education we were just referring to of where you see the sports at right now it's different <laughs> uh, you know it's just different like when i come to your amo events the trailers and motorhomes and like people with seven bikes and um it's some of it's wild and like i look at it i'm like this is crazy you know what these people yeah. are doing but at the same time it's kind of like we we go back to what i just said it's like well they're enjoying it with their kids i hope you know and they're teaching them good lessons and if they can afford to do that and spend that time and money with their kids then you know yeah. get on them but in the same token um i think the bikes are a lot better like uh, I would love for Sebastian to go to go back and ride like a you know a 2007 or a 2006 250F. Yeah, yeah. To really to really appreciate you know the difference between a carburetor like coming up short and having the thing go you know like the bogs and and what's just everything ex- else. What's this extra lever here on the left? What is that? What is this for? Exactly. Yeah. You know, just like all that stuff. Um, to like come through all that and then just to hear the complaints a little bit right now. I'm just like, you guys have no idea how good your stuff is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's funny. Cause I feel like we're in a bit of a dip post COVID. Yeah. Like before COVID, especially. So like I, I all I can relate to is Canadian motos. And right. I feel like it goes through waves. You've seen it go through all these waves. Yeah, where, oh yeah. Um, like, my best example I give to people is like how many millionaires are <laughs> in the in the programs right now. So like, you know, we had Andres and we had the, the Huberts and, you know, you have all these different people that are involved that want to spend money to beat one another. And it's like, that's, that's what can create some pretty cool racing. And then you had the Blackfoot era and like the amount of money that was spent in those eras was, was pretty wild compared to this very moment. Like, I think when you, when you consider what Cav spends and like, I don't know the exact numbers, any of these teams, but like what Cav spends and what Digger spends and what Walton spends. And I, probably ktm to a certain degree i think it's probably a lot less than what people think and a lot less than what 
teams were operating on even say five years ago and i think that's like somebody posted i think it was Noof. Noof posted something the other day. It was like a 250F uh, results thing. And there was only one Canadian in the top yeah. 10. It was yeah. all USA guys. And I was like, man, that's that crazy how much that's changed. Dusty Clot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like even I, was, I went back today and I was looking, even you go back to like 2018 or 19, and there were so many more stateside guys that would come up and it would just, it had a different feeling to it. You know what I mean? And, and I think those guys brought a little bit of money into it as well from the state side up here so yeah it's just in a little bit of a weird funk i think from all the COVID stuff but uh i don't know um like i never had problems with checks this year straight up you That's know good. in the past i had a couple bounce and at one point the bank was calling me telling me not to do business with <laughs> with, with the triple crown people which was slightly concerning <laughs> little Susie from the local TV uh, Sean um, you've been Literally, doing man. business here for yeah. 30 years with us we, we kind of recommend that maybe you might not want to do this uh, that's, yeah, pretty, that's yeah. pretty funny yeah, I, I mean I, I think those guys know, are doing a better job on that side of things for sure I agree and I think they have a little bit more of a grasp on things and Maybe they're settling in a little bit, and they're like, "Okay, like we got this. Like let's let's keep growing slowly." Like they came in so gl- guns blazing, and and I don't, you know, I don't know the behind the scenes deals between them and Stally, but I think there were some things that probably will come to public in yeah, it <laughs> say ten or twenty years. It that wasn't was like, good. Hmm. That's for sure. It wasn't good stuff. It wasn't like an amicable exactly. thing, right? You know, it's just like racing. Exactly. You know, someone yeah. stealing your ride yeah. or something like that. It was. It definitely didn't work out to the guy thing. Uh, Starting yeah. to come to a close here on the racetech.com uh, rider retirement check-in with Sean Moffenbeier. Sean, I got a few sort of oddball questions just to finish her off here. I've taken more than enough of your time. I know you're a busy fella here in retirement. And it's, yeah, it's closing in on early bird dinner. Um, so I don't want you to, and, and or maybe it's nap time now. I don't know. Um, uh, if you want to share it, I'd like to know what was the best year for money for you? What was the most money you made? Um, Just over a hundred. That was on the cow years. Wow. That's a good year for Canadian moto. That's a good year. Yeah. And honestly, every year was, I want to say, between 50 and 100. Uh, that's healthy. Um, and uh, were you yeah. happy with all of that? Like, that that seems healthy to me in what our market share is, our race series, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, um, I, it's kind of public, not public knowledge, but Dylan is up to about a buck fifty. Uh, yeah. His latest Honda deal. I think that's mm-hmm. a great salary. Is it fit in the market? I don't know, but you guys definitely yeah, deserve cool. to make that kind of money. I mean, this year it's eight races. Is that a little bit too much for eight races? Yes, I know you guys prepare, but I think that's fair. Yeah, that's that's kind of a whole other thing is, um, I mean, it's tough for eight races. I mean, if you go back and look at 2019-18, like, I think we raced like 15 times those years. Yeah. And that was, that was only on the on the triple crown side like i lots of times i'd go race arena crosses and yeah um you know we'd take out policies and <laughs> we were doing a lot of things to kind of bet against ourselves and or sorry for ourselves bet on but, yourself, yeah yeah. Bet on yeah so i don't know i mean there's there's money to be made and and lots of times people think that it's all coming from salaries but a very small chunk of it i would say comes from salaries a lot of its bonuses and a lot of it's a lot of other things that you're willing to negotiate with 
you know, sponsors and, and everything else. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, different times for sure. But I think if guys can be smart about it, they can make money at it and make a living at it. Yeah. Um, toughest competitor, uh, since you turned pro. Oh, I would say Dylan ranks the top of that. Um, but it's hard cause that's just the most recent one for me. And he's yeah. the one that ruined my dreams at gopher this year so <laughs> <laughs> ruined my well you, what about the opportunity oh, at cam loops it. that was tyler uh, i know and dylan yeah both, those, assholes. both those, those assholes i know i know those are some those are some moments i'll look back on and i'm like i was so bloody close you know but. i can't remember if we actually talked at all about this but me and liam did the tv show that day uh one mm-hmm. of the best motors we've seen in canadian motor for a while and when we finished it i'm like who are who? I'm like, we're so happy for Tyler, obviously, but he's like, we were both like, man, it would have been, I think it would have been better to see Sean take that moto. Like, Tyler's won this before, won a moto, and oh my God, that was just like, it was either one, it would have just kind of it set the roof on fire. Obviously, you got the ladder of the of it all, but um, uh, it what a what a day of racing, and uh, yeah, you just came up just a little bit, little bit short, and but um, yeah, it was it was no, like, yeah, cool moment. That track was so cool too. Like it was so gnarly, and I think that's why Tyler and I excelled on it. Is just because we were like, well, this is this is what it gets like. Um, you know, cool fact from that race though. Like that night, JSR sent Tyler and I a group, a group chat text and was like, hey, old boys, good good job today. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> Yeah, so it's cool to see. I mean, obviously, all those guys still watch and they're involved, but it's cool to get their props sometimes just, you know, um, on a private level. And people don't realize how close everybody is in the industry on that, oh, on yeah. that side of things. Yeah. It's, it's um, cool. Favorite bike? Uh, my 2017 Yamaha. And then, honestly, my bike this year was so good. Um like I actually think I had one of the best bikes in the paddock. I just ran out of talent and was old. So but, uh, um, a little, a couple minutes ago there, you told me that you learned some things from Dubok. You felt like you were still progressing. Mm-hmm. You had the best bike you've ever had, and yet we're retiring. This doesn't sound correct. This isn't. No, it's it, perfect. This That's isn't good. adding up. <laughs> no, it's funny because. And I, I've never been public about this stuff, but like I, I fought stuff all year. Like I can take you back into those Kamloops motos and I'll show you the point where I twisted my knee really bad. Oh. And I know I'm not the only one that day because I limped onto the podium. Tyler limped onto the podium and so did Dylan. So yeah. we were kind of all limping after that. But yeah, like I. I was kind of messed up for like two weeks. My knee was really swollen. And so, yeah, I mean, there was moments like that where I kept quiet this year. And then um, obviously once we got to go for, I was like, okay, like I'm feeling good again. And, and um, I think I was kind of showing that I was feeling good. And then I had that moment where I banged my head. Um, Yeah. Even, even after that race, I was like, yeah, that's, that's going to take a while to heal from that one. So at that point I kind of knew it was like, Hey, like you, you got to stay within your means and ride with 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 how you can, I guess. And so, yeah, it, there's lots of little things that always went on, and we could go through the years, and I could tell you things that you'd be like, "No way!" Like that was going on. Wow. But I was like, "Yep." So, I mean, and that's not to say I'm the only one going through that. There's all of us are yeah, yeah. to a certain degree, but there's lots of times where people are like, "Well, what's going on?" And it's like. I would love to share it, but in the same time, I grew up in an era of Chad Reed and James Stewart and yeah, Ricky keep Carmichael. It to yourself, yeah. You keep it to yourself, and you always try to mess with the other guys. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's weird because the kids nowadays, they don't do that stuff. And I don't know, that's just how I grew up. You watch those guys and you're like, yeah, they're the best. And that's what, uh, that's what I want to do. So, um, Who is the next youngster uh, that is going to carry our flag up here in Canada? Now, obviously, I think Ryder McNabb would be the semi-obvious answer in a sense. But I think he's going to ditch us for a little bit, right, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But who do you think uh, this, this coming year in the 250 class, it's wide open. Uh, there's going to be no Mitchell Harrison and no Ryder McNabb. Yeah, it's actually a good question. Uh, I feel like we so could do a we part got? two of this so down the road I, here. You know what I mean? 100%. <laughs> you could call me every week and we could chat about all this stuff. Oh, okay, there we go. Maybe a new segment. <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, I I do have a lot of belief in Sebastian. Um, what he figured out towards the end of the year last year, I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. He's figuring this out but he's still up against like a guy like tyler on yeah. a 250 and it's like man that's a tough one that's a tough one to beat him but you know there's always those points in those kids riding where like dylan went through it jess went through it where you're like oh, are they gonna figure it out and then all of a sudden they figure it out so yeah. um i don't know like who like who else do we got i mean I, I'm a big fan of Quinn as well. Yeah. I, Quinn, Quinn's learned how to work really hard, and I think that's going to get him to places um, that most people won't get to. But I don't know. Like, who's, well, who's on it? Don't forget. You like, got, I need, give me some names. Well, you like, got, I need you got the names. two guys that are older than you in the class, yeah, Kevin Benoit and true. Tyler Medellia, right? Uh, Quinn Amiot, uh, Sebastian. Um, on the PRMX side, Yoder is maybe coming up. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's uh, a long ways away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, after the, I feel like after those guys, it's going to be hard to find. I'm trying to think. So the Hondas, yeah, Tyler. KTM's got Cavan. And Nazi's on Cap. 450. Uh, Yamaha's got Racine. Um, shit, am I missing somebody now? Well, that's what I'm trying to think. Like, you'd have to put a like a list of names. Harrison's gone. Like, you, you got your Gibbses and your Bennicks, but maybe they'll be yeah, big bike yeah. guys. Um, but yeah. I feel like either your Quinn, Racine, Cavan, Tyler. Um, that's like the four main names I believe that could um, that mm-hmm. are going to do battle for it this summer. Um, you know, with, with yeah, but Harris. I think you got to. So your question was more related to the younger guys, and it's like, okay, well, who well, the younger is going to step up? Yeah, who, who do you think can carry the flag for the, say the next five years? You know, I mean, Dylan, Dylan's uh, around obviously, but it, uh, his deal's yeah. up in three years. Tyler's old, Cavan's older. Like, I would think if Cavan wins this year, does he come back again? Like, who's going to be the one that um, you mm-hmm. know? If I'm still announcing in five, seven years, who am I going to be talking to on the top of the box? Well, and that's the thing. Like, what about like Tanner Scotts, like those kids that really haven't produced results? But like, how close are they? You know, like, yeah. are they going to burst through? Dylan Rempel. Uh, yes, exactly. Dylan Rempel. Yeah, Blake Davies. I like what he's doing. Blake Davies and Dylan Rempel. Like those kids are really promising in my eyes, and it's like it's really going to depend on what road they choose. I think in the next couple of years, and if they can stay injury free keep progressing what do you think of piccolo i gotta love hate for piccolo oh okay yeah i don't know it's hmm. like is he sick i in my opinion um a noof's a lot closer we've we we talked yeah. a little bit during uh, the arena cross series 
Um, he's getting his shoulder. Fi- he's getting his shoulder fixed. That's what the, one of the big yeah. things is. But I honestly think the kid would just rather be a kid right now. I just I exactly. don't think he wants to yeah. put the work in that it takes for to be become one of you guys. Um, I think the championship year just all the cards fell. He was in good enough shape to pull it off. Um, you know, everybody else had a little moment where he was able to squeak through, like that moment at Deschambault where he snapped the brake pedal off. Mm-hmm. That could have been yep. 20th, but he's, he's guys either DNF'd or crashed, and he still ended up like fifth or sixth in the moto. Um, yeah. I, I, there's no, he didn't luck into it. He earned it. I'm not taking that away whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. Every time I see him, I just, I think he just would rather be a kid at the moment. Um, and then I could almost compare it to a guy like when uh, your old teammate, Marco Canella, like yeah. this, I think they wanted to have the fun. And then all of a sudden, I mean, not that Marco didn't work hard, but he maybe didn't work hard enough and he was mentally, but I just feel like they're down another three years from now. If they don't take advantage of what's in the moment, it's going to be a, a point of life. where they're like, ah, man, I regret that. I'm kind of bummed. I mean, that's just my own opinion thinking about it. But um, because for me, um, I, I was in the same boat. I was all talent and no work ethic. And mm-hmm. if I had to just put a little bit of work ethic in, I probably would have stole some stuff from Blair or, or JSR. That's where my resume and my, my trajectory was pointing. But I didn't want to work hard. Um, I liked yeah. being a kid. And at that time, being a kid was chasing chicks and, and partying. Yeah. And, um, you know, not that those guys are doing that or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I just – I he that kid has got so much talent. But he, I just oh think, my he, God, I think he'd, I'd rather – I think he'd just rather hang out with his buddies. Yeah, and maybe, maybe I don't know, um, like even speaking about Marco a little bit, like being his teammate, like a lot, they, they were young when they had success, Yeah, you know, like Marco was pulled up through the whole Moto Park, um, Yamaha Blue Crew program, and then given, you know, the chance to be on a team like right away, and then I think for them, they like skip out, like you said, on being a kid a little bit, and they kind of they're envious of it because yeah. I've seen Sebastian go through that this year a little bit too where he's like man like you know I just kind of want to be a kid a little bit and you can't blame him for it no um, no no but then like and this is where I think Quinn has really figured out he's like yeah I want to race motorcycles like I want to do this and I think that is something you can't really teach they just have to go through that. Yeah. So it's like whether Piccolo um, comes out the other side and he's like, yeah, like, let's do this. Like, I'm going to race for another five or 10 years. Cause that's ultimately what goes on, right? Like, you either have to quit when you're whatever, 20, 21. Yeah. Like, like those kids are, and you get a real job and you join the real world. And I think that's what Marco's done. And yeah. from what I understand, like, Marco's fairly happy with his life and he's that's doing awesome. his thing he's that's awesome yeah and, he, and he's like you know what i i gave it my all and and i thought i was doing everything i need to do and i was close i had some wins and he's like yeah i'm good um but yeah it's it's like you think about a guy like piccolo and um you know one of the things that happens when you win and this happened to me a little bit is like you win and you make it and you're like, man, this, this was my goal for so many years. And then once you obtain it, you're like, Oh, like just everybody goes home the next day and you just kind of restart. You're the champion, but you're just like, Oh, well, this is what this is. And, and then you get there and you realize, Oh, I really haven't thought past this at all. Like, what am I, you know, what am I, supposed to aim at next and you know like should i win this again and so like you almost go through a bit of confusion and i think if a kid like piccolo can figure that out and 
and you know be like yeah like i want to kind of follow in dylan's footsteps and, and chase that 450 side of things and that's a big reason why i wanted to go to 450s it's like yeah i need a new carrot to chase and and i want to have success in that class because i feel like i've done it in the 250 class so yeah it's it's interesting um i hope i hope you can figure it out because even kind of playing team manager role at the last couple supercross rounds and watching him i was like man i wish i had 20 percent of that talent <laughs> <laughs> like it's so cool man they're so good on bikes it's, yeah it's so cool it's pretty amazing to watch so. them and stuff like that and hopefully it gets all figured out uh, you know there's no this isn't a bashing or anything like that it's actually no, funny no, listening to what you talk about it i feel like maybe uh an opportunity not that's uh, going to be a longevity thing but if these kids reached out to a guy like Sean Moffenbeier, they might get some sort of um, clarity on on thoughts and whether they want to go that path or not. But uh, reaching to a guy like you is is could be something that's uh, like just sound advice. Just listening to it right now, I'm like, fuck, I wish I was 16 again and took that advice. And, well, uh, well, I can't you go back. <laughs> you know, you saying that, it was kind of cool because this fall, you know, I had uh, Tanner Ward call me and we chatted a little bit and they they just want a more they they want more info and they're like okay like like what did you do or like what'd you get paid or and because everybody's a little bit in the dark about this stuff right and yeah. when you're racing a guy you're like well I'm not telling you you know what I mean like you want them to suffer a little bit but um, it was cool because he called and Quinn called a few times and uh, yeah it felt like I actually um, could could guide them a little bit and just help them make their own decision but ultimately let them make their own decision and and because the reality is is you can make a lot more money working or doing something else and um you know i didn't tell any of them this but it's like yeah once you hit 30 it's like you're gonna have a bit of a restart like you got to go do something else in your life and you can still be involved in moto but you're gonna have to get a real job and you're gonna you're gonna start over in life and you're gonna realize all your friends around you they're envious of what you did in your 20s but in the same token you look at where they're at in their careers and you're like huh well that's pretty cool they spent the last 10 years building their careers and you know they can they can go do all these things now because they're in a certain spot too so there's kind of plus and balances to to having such a long career too like we like you said earlier but yeah it's 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 cool to see a few of them just figure out like yeah i just want to race motorcycles and i want to do my very best and 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 really put a solid effort into this because it's it's like a drug you and i both know that it's it's addicting and it gives you so much and and like we talked about the family side of things too it's like yeah it's crazy how much you connect with uh your parents and and mechanics and and team managers and you just create all these cool relationships that you can also take into the real world and use it as real world practice as well so there it is, racetech.com, Moth's Wisdom. I, mean, I don't know where, I think I like that name, The Wisdom of Moth. It sounds like a wizard right there. I love it. There um, you go. Sean, dude, yeah. thanks so much for your time. That went way longer than normally they do, and I, I literally feel like I could talk to you like that. I, I enjoy the openness and the conversation and the um, and just the uh, your thought process of how it all went, man. And it's, it's going to be sad not seeing the number three, but I feel like stuff like this, the way you're talking and people reaching out to you, that the number three carries on in a different way in 2024. And it's, uh, um, at a very cool way for our industry and our racers out there. No, I appreciate it. And I had people do it in my life. Like, uh, Bobby K still calls me 
you know, uh, once once a month or so, and and he's kind of been my guiding light. When he's got his knee in the neck of a prisoner. Sean, <laughs> exactly. what's up? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so he's been a great mentor for me to just to kind of transition, and and I also like he was a big influence throughout my entire career. So I also want to, you know, like we have to pass a, the info along to the next group of kids, or else it kind of gets lost in translation. So just trying to do my part and help where I can. And yeah, I mean, call me whenever you want. Uh, I have no contracts right now, so I can talk <laughs> shit about whatever I want and I don't have to say special things about nobody. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a little more exciting to have these conversations and a little less, let's say corporate and yeah. not stepping on so many toes watching what I'm saying. So the new beginning of Moff openness. That's what it is right there. I love there it. There you go. Uh, there awesome. You go. Hey, good luck with the Renos. I'm sorry to your sister right now for you being the Guinea pig, uh, renoing in the bathroom. There's probably holes and, and water leaks and all kinds of fun stuff out there, but you'll fix Just it. That's mess. what you do. You fix it. That's right. That's uh, right. cheers, buddy. Thanks for your time again, Sean. And, uh, we'll catch up again soon. No problem. Thank you. And there it is. We're back, man. I'll tell you, Every time I do an interview with guys, my my heart beats a little faster. I get a little more in tune. I find more respect. Um, Ken, I know you found some time to listen to one. Knew if you were a little bit busy, but Ken, like, I just you, you listen to that interview, man, and I'm just like, it. I just have such an appreciation where Sean came from. Obviously, you're middle of nowhere, sketch one as well, and yep, yep. so you kind of get it maybe more than others, but. Just like what a great sit down and some of his 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 look into the the riders and the futures and I mean the the story of him getting the sign and the tears and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it really kind of encapsulated the whole experience, especially because Canada is such a big country. There's a a lot of different experiences, but at the end of the day, they're all kind of the same. Where he's you know he starts out small, starts winning local races, then provincial races, and works his way up into it. And then all of a sudden he's driving across the country with his dad in a trailer. Now he's racing nationals, doing better and better and better. And then he starts winning races. And it's just right from the very beginning, right to the very end. It's like almost the idyllic career of, of what anybody can expect as a, a Canadian motocrosser. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, um, like I knew if I know you didn't tune in, but he brought up some cool things. So he went to uh, a local track there. They set up like a sort of a ceremony. They put up a sign for him. Like it, he was almost treated like, uh, an all-star hockey player from a small town or a baseball star or soccer star, like these things that we see kind of in the heritage of so many other sports that we grew up on that you get taught in school that never really happens in motocross. Well, the community in Sask and Swift Current there, they treated him like gold. And yeah. that's the way it should be for a guy like Moff. Yes, he didn't get that elusive 450 title or overall win, but his accolades and the and and where it started to where it came, it's a hell of a story, um, and I know you're going to want to listen to it after the fact, but you you know basically the the, the timeline and how it all went. And, um, dude, I, I, he's telling me the story. He said he got emotional. He brought up tears. He couldn't give a speech. Yeah. He's telling me this, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm kind of getting, you know, tear jerked myself a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, Sean raced a, a you know, a, he was a world class world class racer. No matter what way you look at it, and I mean, he won races, he motocross of nations um competed in that you know racing everywhere and i think that's really cool i mean that they you know can see that coming from a smaller community and and this and that and i love everything about sean i mean we i i I was around when he was when he kind of showed up on the scene in 2008 right the 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 sketchy rider pulling hole shots at gopher dunes i'll always 2007 
No, it was 2008. 2007. Well, we 2008, did. he whole shot at Gopher Dunes, both motos. Remember, we all thought he was on a big bore. 2007. Uh, I was on KTM 250Fs. But anyway. He was on the Yamaha. Yeah. We talked about it in that in the interview, man. It was 2008. I'll go to the grave with that. We'll go to the grave. Yeah. Um, but I agree. And I'll, I'll throw this to you now, Nuf. Like, maybe if you didn't leave Spring Hill, you might have a sign up in the town. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> home, of, home of Ann Murray and Ryan Lockhart. Never got yeah. that sign. Imagine that. You guys high five at each other in front of the Tim Hortons <laughs> or something to make a future sign. Um, but yeah. anyway, uh, hopefully everybody takes the time and listens to that. Maybe we can even put it up as a separate one if you want to, Ken. But he wants to do it again. He's got more to share and yeah. his insight. He was talking about like the younger generation we asked, I asked about who do you think is going to take over and, and all that stuff. It's a, it's a great listen. And I appreciate Sean for giving you the time and yep. he had a great perspective on it. Like there was no bullshit um, with it. There was no, you know, corporate angle or anything like that. I mean, obviously he doesn't need to anymore. He doesn't really mm-hmm. work for anybody or anything like that. But I mean, he's at the bike shows for Yamaha right now and things like that. So it was cool. Um, I, a lot of respect for Sean and where he came from. And he shared some cool stories of him and Blair Morgan Um sharing things and blair even came to this ceremonial day like how sick is that and yeah yeah it's it's a really good it's a very touching uh, interview and and a lot of fun uh so good times on that um on to our one thing before we get into the race heck hot or not guys so uh i think Nuth does as well i'm not too sure if ken's found the time but i listened to off the gate podcast with dylan wright dario zeka and um tanner ward it's kind of a cool perspective obviously riders uh, current racers on teams um, their last show brought up some kind of funny things I had a good laugh at some of the stuff um, and this is more probably for new for whatever but I guess Ken will get your thoughts as well but they really hit home on talking about intermediates racing our series yeah like I know that if you if you're a fan of like Pulp MX he hates the facts of this amateur thing even though I think he's coming around on the futures and stuff like that but there's no way that this isn't a good thing for young racers getting into the sport. Um, yeah, take the chance, go do some motos, race against these guys, see where you fit in. You're on the gate. Maybe you get yourself a different piece of qualifying time and you're lined up beside Adam Medallia or Quinn Amion on the 250 class. Like, I really don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, Ken, I'll throw to you before I go to Noof. Yeah, I think when it comes to any job, uh, it's always good to to show that you have interest and that you're you want to kind of separate yourself from the rest of the pack. I guess would be the only thing that uh, I could really offer there. Um, okay, Nuf just texted us in the group. You're right, Nuf. It was 2008. Both me and Sean were wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, I was distracted by I'll, that. I'll, I'll admit that Nuf was correct on that one. Uh, like, thank God for quick internet access. They knew to be right in the show here. That's gonna make him feel. That's gonna make his Rimby experience all that much better. No one he proved me wrong. Um, but anyway, new throw to you, like, you know, we didn't get this chance when we were obviously young racers, intermediate racers, and stuff like that. But there's this is such a positive, in my opinion, for these intermediate races. And if, one thing they didn't kind of talk about, like, go to the local races because you can ride the Pro-Am class. Yes, they're not all 30-minute motos, 25 plus two, stuff like that. But, like, you just you get your feet wet before you really got to get your feet wet at the big sort of scene. You get a little bit of a taste. Yeah, no, and that's something that our country provides. Uh, there's nowhere else, at least that I know in the world, that you can you can do that. You can hop in as an intermediate. It's a it's a great stepping stone. I mean, if you look at 
go back in the day, uh, Jeremy Medaglia having success as an intermediate uh, in his first pro race, right? And getting on the podium. He got a podium, didn't he? At, uh, or was that Dylan Wright? No, Wright did that. Yeah, that in first. Wright did it, but Jeremy had success too. And Tanner Ward, Tanner Ward got a podium as an intermediate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it it kind of it it really gives like gives them a taste before it's before you're there, right? Basically, what you just said. So, I mean, if I'm an intermediate coming through the ranks, you got to take advantage of this. I mean, we've seen lots of guys chase it and this and that, and now they're into the pro ranks and and whatnot. But, um. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an opportunity for these guys that that shouldn't be. If you're racing intermediate at your local series and you have a national that at your in your local in your province, if you don't line up, like I don't know what, why not? Like what? Yeah. What's the reason why not to do it? You're you're an intermediate rider. You're eligible to ride the pro am class. You're racing intermediate. Obviously, if you're racing intermediate, it means to me um, that you're trying to progress through the ranks. Freaking, like you just said, check the ego at the door, man, and get out there and see what you got. Maybe it goes really terrible, but at least you know where you stand. Uh, The next thing they kind of brought up that made me laugh, there was an instance there. They were referring to a couple of current pro racers that can't seem to pick up the phone and do their own job and that where moms or dads are doing it for them. But they're like, just call the team managers. Call Brent Lee. Call Derek Schuster. And to me, and to to why I say that, those guys aren't answering the phone. They never (laughs) answer their phone. Yeah. Okay, so I wish you luck to do that. But if you do do that and they don't answer and then don't call you back, don't get yourself frustrated. <laughs> Go and actually find the guys face to face if you can, because they don't answer their phone. All right. And and that was funny. I talked uh, afterward and they're like, yeah, they probably wouldn't answer their phone like that. So but um, it's not kind of funny. They're on their phone. When you see them face to face, they're probably 99 percent chance they're on their phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Kevin Tyler, I bet you he'd call you back. Schuster yeah. and uh, and Bradley, meh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm giving those guys enough. I don't know if they'd win or not. But anyway, uh, okay, that ends the topics and all the good stuff there that we got to chat about. Lots of information in that show. It is now time for the Race Tech Hot or Not. Uh, this segment was super fun last time. Um, let's start with, uh, I know that you guys both shared that you have some questions. So, Kenny, why don't you start with us? We'll let you start with the Race Tech Hot or Not. Okay, well... I'm not as plugged in as you guys. You guys probably have a lot more to do with Canadian moto, but kind of the thing I'm focusing on right oh, now is... Oh, you think, Ken? Is, I mean, is that <laughs> yeah. kind of the reason why we're doing this podcast? Yeah. Like, yeah. like no, let's just talk politics and things yeah. that happen here at my Ontario kids' school. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, well, what I meant is I'm, all my questions have to do with uh, Supercross down in the United States, so... Um, ah, who um, cares? Yeah, who cares? It's all, motor, it's all motorbikes. Okay, Noof, this one's for you. Uh, Triumph's debut in SX this last weekend. So uh, Jalik Swole with a six, and then Evan Ferry with an LCQ win. How would you rate that debut, uh, hot or not? Uh, I'll go hot on that. I was I was impressed. I thought the bike looked pretty good out there. I mean, Jalik went down in that, uh, well, that carnage in the first corner was wow, it was unbelievable wild. Yeah. of the of the start of that 250 but uh evan ferry whole shot from the outside um obviously that bike it it seems to be pretty good and Mm -hmm. um i think jaleek's ride was probably better than his sixth place i think he i mean if you look cody shock was fourth i don't know if he would have been on the podium but um i think it was a success if you compare it to uh beta or beta uh, (laughs) definitely um it looked like they had their shit together so not saying that beta didn't but the whole overall platform um and dude their setup looks sick eh with the 
Renin gear and their helmet. Yeah. And, man, match. It, it, well, the only thing I don't like, it's hard to tell the difference between Jalik and Ferry out there because their bikes and gear are the exact, exact same. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would add to that, every time Jalik was on the track, he was always moving forward from the first turn crash, yeah. from the takeout, from thing. I, I just, it, yeah, I think mm. the bike and everything looked good. So uh, I like that's great news for them. I, I would assume that on Monday, right now, the Triumph offices, Sundays, they're probably. Uh, Smashing a cup of whiskeys down, celebrating. That was a good start. <laughs> well, and going back to the beta thing, Triumph already has more points than beta, and beta's been going four more races, right? So obviously yeah, they had yeah. a pretty good pretty good weekend, yeah. yeah. I'll be excited to see uh, Colt Nichols come back, though. I mean, I don't think he's going to light the world on fire, but I think he'll be better than, uh, well, John Short's not making mains, and uh, Benny's Benny's Benny. Benny, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, you next? one more, Ken? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll just roll through these. Okay. So Goldie, yeah. uh, Tomax chances of winning the title. So not really hot or not, but would you say he has a hot chance of winning or not being 16 points back after five races? What do you think? Oh, I still think he's got a chance. So hot on that one. I definitely think he's got a chance this weekend did not show very well from, and you know, there's lots of speculation. I listen to the podcast and stuff after the fact and whatnot, but to me, Newfield is quickly, he got arm pump. There's just no way he didn't get arm pump. He just couldn't ride the bike. It wasn't a bike problem. He got arm pump. Now, how does that all of a sudden just happen? Um, I don't know, but that just looks like a guy that had arm pump. Coming from a guy that had arm pump a lot, I know what that feels like, and I feel like that's all he had on the weekend with that tacky soil and mm-hmm. kind of riding and whatnot, and it, it made him go backwards. Okay, Noof, uh, last weekend was the first weekend we didn't have Jorge Prado riding in the uh, SX series. His first four races, he went uh, 13, 7, 11, and 12. Hot or not? Uh, I'll go hot uh, for the pure fact that, man, he's a world champion and he put in the work and the effort to come over here and show what he's got for right now. I mean, there's a lot of talk about him coming over here full time in 25, which I would love to see personally and talk about Cowie and all these different options that he that he has. I mean, you know, he. I guess on one hand, you would have liked to seen the results maybe a little bit better, but. You know, there was two mutters in there mm-hmm. and obviously a one being his first race and uh, a triple crown, which is a weirdo format. But um, I, I think it was great. I mean, my expectations for him weren't overly high. I mean, we've seen GP. I mean, back in the day, you used to get Everett's coming over and doing. I mean, this is before he was world champion, but uh, you used to see a lot more of this happening. And then since the last Euro guy that we've seen come race Supercross that was at a high level was Tim Geyser came and did Monster Cup, and that did not go well. Um, and Monster Cup, obviously, <laughs> nothing like uh, AMA Supercross. So I just think the pure fact that he was willing to give it a, a shot, move over here, live over here. I listened to his, uh, he was on Pulp a couple of weeks ago or last week, and he, I never, I guess that maybe, I mean, I follow his results, but he seems like a good dude. Like his interview on Pulp was like really authentic and he was honest and, um, other than the converted had a column. Yeah, that That was, was, that was funny. Um, but yeah, that, that part was funny, but I, I truly just had a good feeling after I listened to his, like I, I became a fan. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's I think it's hot, Ken, and I hope he comes back here in twenty five. Okay. All right, I'll do mine. Ken, are you done? You got no, more? I got I got one last okay. one here for you, Goldie. Um, oh, oh, you got one. Okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, speaking of Geyser coming over, um, so recently Honda put out a picture of his new bike, and I'm assuming the 
stock bikes will look very similar to this. Uh, I sent a pic to you earlier. Uh, I'm sure you had time to take a look at it. What do you think of that? Well, at first thought, I, I kind of feel like it's got a very old school tank shroud look to it, almost like an XR 600 thing back in the day. Like literally I'm picturing John Nelson right now riding this back in 93, 92-ish at local races in the vet class. And then I'm also like, it kind of looks like a Dakar type bike from the middle of it all. It's very big looking. Um, the rest of it looks awesome. I think the Honda, especially these factory GP bikes look amazing. I guess I'm going to go lukewarm right in the middle uh, okay. on this one. Uh, I don't know if I like it at the moment, but um, I'm sure they'll work out some kinks. But yeah, at the moment, it kind of looks a little bit strange. So I'll go lukewarm. I'll go dead center in the middle. Okay, I'm all done. Okay, racetech.com, hot or not for you. Uh, Noof, uh, OGs and Walton, the Inca deal to uh, be their gear sponsor uh, for the Walton Kawasaki, Walton OGs Kawasaki team, hot or not? Uh, hot for sure. I mean, I think it's, I think it's cool that a, a you know Canadian company teaming up with a Canadian team. Um, we see we're seeing it more and more, maybe more so on the privateer side of things, but not necessarily. You look at Moto Concepts and stuff like that. That these teams are going with if they're not getting a big check from a gear company, why wouldn't they go the route to where they can do customized gear, where they can have their logos as big as they want? They're not yep. necessarily advertising the gear in a sense, obviously there'll be OG logos on there and stuff like that. But if you're a privateer, privateer team, obviously Walton is not kind of, who knows what it means. They're all privateer teams. Other than KTM. Sometimes they like to think they're factory, but anyways, regardless, um, why not showcase the people that are paying you money to go racing, i.e. Kawasaki, um, for example. Right. So I, I think it's, I think it's good. They can do, the kind of uh customized gear with logos and 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 whatnot and especially the connection with a canadian company team teaming up with a canadian team that's hot for sure um hot or not racetech.com ken uh we're finally seeing racers uh beginning to head south get prepped uh too late too early hot or not well we had the same one last uh, podcast and I said that they probably should have already been down there and you guys both disagreed with me. So I guess I was kind of wrong on that because you guys wouldn't. Did we talk about know. the last one? Uh, I think so. Oh. Yeah, I think that was one oh. of the hot or not questions. And well, then I should be fired as host here right now. <laughs> I got the Moffa Meyer thing wrong and this wrong. Okay, I'm out, guys. Thanks so much. This is the end of our Goals Tour oh, with who's, Canadian Mark. <laughs> who's, who's new besides... Uh, Dylan Wright and um, well, T Dag's got his bikes finally. Um, who else is down there, Galdi? That you know of? Well, we saw a trailer loaded up. Danielle Elmer's going oh, yeah. somewhere. Quinn Amion is down there. Tanner Waters lighting up this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dylan Wright's uh, headed down there. Like you said, T Dag. It's just going to start. Everybody now is going to start kind of going. It's that time of year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the simple answer is it's, it's hot because it's we're going to get some guys seeing riding and yes. get some more updates. How you're feeling? All that kind of crap. Um, uh, now, new from my last one, racetech.com, hot or not, Tyler Gibbs finished seventh overall in the GT Arena Motocross Series. Uh, best finish was a sixth. Best finish was a fifth in a main. Best finish was a sixth overall, but finished seventh in the series. Hot or not for Tyler Gibbs? We did talk about this a little bit last pod. I don't think it was a hot or not question. So you're We not. just talked about the fact that you thought he was better than what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or you brought it up, yeah. I'll give him a hot for the pure uh, reason that he finished the series. 
Um, I think that's, I mean, an accomplishment in itself. I mean, he, he did actually miss one round cause he crashed out of the second night of the first weekend, but, uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was good. I mean, yeah, I still believe that he was better than that, but when you're not at the races, you don't know, right? Like yeah. some, some of these guys know that arena cross stuff really well, which he knows it well too. I'm not, uh, I'm not sticking up for him on that side of things, but, uh, yeah, he finished the series. Uh, he got some results. Uh, you know, he's been living in Oklahoma, you know, on his own, uh, training at Robbie Rayner. Robbie Rayner, yeah. Um, so opening up some, I mean, doing these things, Galdi, is all about opportunity, right? Uh, yeah. He could yeah. easily, you know, uh, sat at home and cried a river because he had nothing going on, but he put himself out there, uh, sacrificed a little bit of, you know, living on his own. I mean, it's time. He wants to do this. And I, I love seeing the effort and the pure fact that he did it. Nobody was making him do it. And I mean, I don't know, is is uh is seventh overall in the series. That's what he got, right? Seventh? Yeah. Overall, seventh overall yeah. in the series. Good enough to get a ride next year for that same series. I don't know. Probably. I don't yeah. see why not. Um, and he's going super crossing now, right? I think he's doing uh the next round of East Coast by the sounds of it with that team, right? So cool. um that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Hot or not, Ken, racetech.com number one. For the Rimby, uh, <laughs> what did I call it again? Sorry, the Rim Child and Rimby for new Rimby or Rimby not? The Rimby Rim Child Rimby champion or not? Uh, I'll go with you hot. He's defending champion. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll go with hot. You're, you're such an ass kiss. What are you, <laughs> was new sending you some braces and goggles and no. sure what? No, oh, I got some bars bar for your 91. Hey, and just for clarification, because obviously I'm going to Rimby here on Wednesday night. Well, I'll be riding Thursday, and there's going to be some photos kicking around. There's number one plates going on the KTM. I did not have the number one plates made up, okay? This was the promoter got every champion from last year that is returning number one plates made. So just He bought them for everybody? He's, it's a sponsor thing. Yeah, he's got... Some well played. That's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, I get it from his standpoint, right? Like, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's cool, but I don't like it. There's too many number ones. Like, literally, I walked out the door today. Here's a fucking number one. Like, give me a break. <laughs> like, come on. Like, we're just giving number ones away, like timbits, well, donuts hey, these days. Galdi, number one plates are earned, not given. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. What? Well, actually, I, I disagree because you can't really earn number ones in a two round series, but. Whatever I didn't. Nobody wore number one at the Four rounds. Ammo arena cross. Well, that's because Eels was too cheap to get numbers made. Well, because he's no. You know what he said? I don't want to be that guy. That's not really number one. I'm like, right, I respect that. <laughs> so, but not the new. Just the new's gonna have number hey. one. A 40 year old racer with red plate number one. Not even just like a white background. Red plate. Like, what's the difference between him and? And Chase Sexton going into Phoenix this weekend. What is the difference? Exactly. Same bike, right? Yeah. Same bike, same yeah. everything. Ryan Sexton. <laughs> did I did I go and get jerseys done with number ones on? That's the real question. I'm sure Brady's probably doing something up for you right now, just doctoring up something. There'll be a KTM ad coming out on Friday. Heading into the races on this weekend, Rimby number one, Ryan Lockhart, Chase Sexton number one, heading into Phoenix. Yeah, on the KTM <laughs> North American newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, jeepers. Uh, okay, Newf, you said you got a couple. Race tech, hot or not. Uh, I'll go with Ken on this one. Uh, A2 Futures, Rempel and Angelo, hot or not. I did follow. What were their results? Like, 
just past the top 10, right? Like 12, 13. Well, Red Bull got 10. They went 10, 11. 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I never looked at it right before, but uh, I think that's hot. That's pretty awesome. That's, that's about as good as uh, I would have expected him to do. I mean, I think they could do better if everything went right and they have a little bit of luck, but they must be happy. And I think, I think that's hot. Baldy, I'll ask you the same one. Uh, I agree. I I was okay with it. Um, the amount of time that Ripple's been down there, maybe he should have been a little bit more in the hunter better compared to say Preston. But uh, I'd say hot on both of the counts. Good job on the guys doing it, getting out there, putting themselves in the mix, and um, hopefully they continue to be healthy. And we'll see them here at Daytona, which is the next features for them. All right, uh, Galdi, uh, AMO rules group chat, hot or not? I don't know. It's on silent. I have no interest in that chat anymore. <laughs> I haven't replied to anything and not. It's not. <laughs> I even wished you a happy birthday in it yesterday and you didn't even reply. I saw that you posted the nice photo of me with I that leg. Did, but I, with the leg. That was good enough and I I appreciate that very much. So are you are you just over it? You just don't want to converse with us idiots anymore in it? Yeah, I'm over it. Okay. Yeah, I got no I got no means in there. Okay, Ken, last one, hot or not. Uh, AMA Supercross tracks in 24, hot or not? Uh, I think not because yeah. uh, it seems like they're kind of dumbed down a little bit. The Like they've been talking about on some of the American podcasts like Mathis's and, and uh, Vital, there's, they have new rules where there's only going to be nine, although they broke that rule this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Dozer whoops, um, no dragon back. Dragon back I thought was, I guess as somebody who's never had to hit one, I thought they were pretty cool. I'd probably change my opinion if I ever had to hit one on a bike, but um, I, would love to see I just haven't been super impressed. It, and it, <laughs> the racing's been pretty good though. Like everything's nice and tight. Five yeah. rounds in, it's what, nine point or six points or something like that between the top four. It, it's hard to complain too much, but I, I haven't seen anything that like really stuck out as far as a obstacle on the track. Yeah, I thought the, I might, I'll just give you my two cents on it. Galdi, you can charm in too. It's more of a topic thing rather than hot or not, but I thought obviously the two mutters you can't do anything with that, but I thought A one was probably the best track that I've seen so far in my personal opinion. This past weekend, I don't know, man. I get it. It's football stadium. It's smaller. I thought that track looked like a joke to me. I don't. It reminded what, me of like a Toronto Supercross in the nineties. Yeah. I don't. I just know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was like well, one, it was in the low forty second lap times, which is just crazy to me that that they're that short i mean we've had freaking chilliwacks that have been as long as that back in the day right (laughs) depending on on what layout but on a track like that like wouldn't you put in like a a wall or something to add a second here or a second there and like that one rhythm after the i believe it was after the finish where they were like three and on and then there was like this little step off thingy with a lip on it i don't know it just didn't look like they had much dirt to me and I don't know. It's just 28 laps. That's crazy. Oh, wow. 28 yeah. laps uh, Jet did. And the rhythms looked really short. Like the, the distance of the jumps weren't very long, but they were super sharp. Like not tall, but just really sharp transitions in them. And they were obviously rutted too, which didn't That happen. one after the start was there were guys when they went over the table and then the three, three yeah. from the, from yeah. the three footers to the, over like those three footers became like one and a half feet tall. It looked like it, but toward the end of the yeah. series, it was it was kind of wild. But um, I listened to uh, I was I haven't got to the review pod on Pulp yet, but I was listening to the post race interviews that he does. And, he, and Steve did one with Mike Mewy. Did you listen to that? Yeah, yeah. 
and Mui was saying, I mean, it was a good interview. Um, and I mean, they're basically saying they're just looking at data of what has, you know, basically taken people out in the past. And one has been, you know, he said they had tracks with up to 16 whoops before. And, you know, they're, they're not saying that nine is the magic number, but they're just trying different things and, and the dragon's backs and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that whoops for these guys are easy and dragon's backs are easy but when you're doing 28 laps on any track yeah. nothing is fucking easy like no. literally nothing is easy so i mean i get it but i mean at the end of the day it does produce good racing but i don't want to see the guy that's in 20th doing the same rhythm as is jet lawrence i want to see something different right yeah yeah, yeah. Nope. this track this past weekend there was literally nothing different everybody did the exact same thing yeah no, I agree with that for sure. Um, is that it, Nuv? That's all I got. Race tag hot or not. Hopefully you guys are liking that new segment there. And um, enjoyed our latest show. Great interview with Sean Moffabier. Lots of good notes and insight on things that have been happening around the industry. And coming up two weeks from now, we'll have another show here. And uh, we'll have, obviously, the Rimby Arena Cross here. Two weeks of that. Uh, we'll have the bike show in Toronto uh, that I'm attending. I'll be asking lots of questions to whoever those are in um, uh, on the uh, premises. Um, I'm hoping my buddy Newf makes it through two weeks of racing. It sounds like his body's up. I'm hoping Ken can look out his window and find a bright, sunny, shun, uh, shun, bright, shiny, shiny sun <laughs> compared to the negativeness of the troll training yeah. that is going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, and for me, I got to get out of this robe and go do something because I'm fat and lazy and I hate Ontario right now. And I'm still waiting for my trailer to come in insurance. Come on. Um, I could end this in a thing. Like I'm so sick of people not answering their emails or cell phones or whatever. Like, the amount of uselessness out in the world right now, it's just beyond. It is beyond. It's like beyond repair. What going you, crazy. Uh, what you do for your birthday? Um, Amy took me to the keg and then used my credit card to pay. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw my story that night, but I was like video in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, everybody's broke. Yeah, nobody can no, go. Nobody's got money. Dude. People, there were 60 people waiting to get tables in the keg. Right. It was so busy out, out in the town and everything in Barrie. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, uh, my parents took me out and my kids, actually, my kids made a cool picture of the McGrath, me and McGrath thing from uh, Glen Helen, made it blow up oh. to go beside the Daytona one. So that was kind of a nice gift. Um, that's about it. 46 is not really any sort of milestone or anything, boys. It's, uh, you know, my. Ball's probably hanging a little bit lower now. My fucking grumpiness is a little bit thicker, and that's about the happiness that goes on in life here in the golf world. Speaking of balls, speaking <laughs> of balls, oh, yeah. I was gonna. I, hey, that was my lead-in. <laughs> we should end on that. It's really again. I don't think it matters when we talk about supercross and shit. Like who no. cares? That's what yeah. Steve and those guys are for. But yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so literally. When Ken sent that in the group thing, I, I thought it was fake for sure. It looks fake. It looks like a set of those balls that you hang off your trailer. Off your pitch, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, well, and then I was trying to find, so his, his wife yeah. posted on her TikTok of him looking at all these photos. And he's yeah, like, yep, everybody see it. And I, I, it was on Twitter, but I couldn't find it again to send you guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's a thing, man. His balls were hanging out and basically as clear as day like they weren't hidden at all <laughs> like they there's photos and and like memes and it's uh it's out there man well, it's out there, there. <laughs> there's a photo of them from the front 
that I saw somewhere and it, it has it censored, of course, but yeah, was this it's whole, his. that's on his Instagram. Was this whole package like hanging right out? Like, yeah, uh, I saw, I saw on Twitter. Some people said that I never saw it, but some people did say that they saw this picture that was floating around and then kind of got wiped. Yeah. Uh, and they, they said they saw all the whole, balls, the whole deal. Yeah. all balls. I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, he wasn't going to quit. Like, yeah, I mean, I get it, but try to I mean, the we've race. seen, We've seen in the past the, the the ass hanging out and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever seen a ball <laughs> picture like that. Yeah. Dude, I remember in 03, I rode bareback. Like, I didn't wear, like, riding underwear or anything like that. So if I had a had a big car wheel or something like that, rip my pants, yeah, I would have been full nude out there. And what are you going to do? <laughs> he must have had no underwear on. Like, no, he no had underwear, he... and it ripped. If you go to his Instagram uh, or something, there's a, there's a picture of him looking with his eyeball, looking through the hole. <laughs> like it, it literally looks like it almost was scripted. Like yeah. it's like a perfect round hole for his balls to flow out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Cameron McAdoo, thanks for showing us all, buddy. But way yeah. to you know finish the finish the race as well. All balls it gives a whole new <laughs> meaning to like all balls uh, bearings and whatever should sponsor they him. Should, they should be all over that. Yeah, like that should be his his, his front man right there. All yeah. balls. Nothing like Cameron McAdoo. Um, there you have it. Racetech.com. Big shout out. Renegade Fuel, Blake Hall, and Hall Race Fuels. Of course, the KTM group. Those guys are on board. We haven't finalized everything. But KTM, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas Canada. I should have gave him some love at the beginning of the show. But Noof is going to be carrying his KTM with red plated number ones this weekend at Rimby. So he'll carry the flag for her. Our uh, huge sponsor right there. And uh, is race, are you all done with Racetech too now, Noof? Uh, no, I'm still with Racetech. No, no, I meant for this weekend. You hadn't got it done yet. No, I haven't. Still haven't. Okay, so so we're still on the stock bike, so there could be an Indonesia-type thing going on. Well, hey, so <laughs> real funny quick tip here. So I figured when I went riding this weekend in uh, Seashell that I would check my SAG. And guess how much SAG I had in that bike? I think I know why I endoed. Um... 75 you know 125 mils oh you went the other way (laughs) through and that's why i end up so dude that what is what hey that's what it used to be when there was no linkage yeah remember that like oh three when we rode those bikes you set them up like 120 with no linkage that's funny um great job again guys next show is going to be a good one lots of information we'll have tons of guys riding down south we'll touch base with the boys uh i'll find another semi sean moffenbeier type interview to fit in as well um i might even find another one like that we can even break it up if we want to because it is really that good um but again race tech ktm husqvarna gas gas renegade fuel uh hall race fuel thank you for supporting us boys enjoy the rest of your day we will be in touch noof uh, stretch, flex, Advil, ice bath. That's in that order. Go team, go. Rimby rim jobs. Let it rip. Yeah, See, buddy. See you guys. Okay.